What's that? Oh, no, I was doing Tall Time Tim thing. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of. (laughs) 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 This is some very sort of from software noises as well, definitely. (laughs) 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 How do you pronounce ellipsis? (laughs) 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 Tom? Hello and welcome to episode 277 of The Crate and Crowbar. Here with me, Chris Thurston, to bang on about Sekiro for X number of hours is Tom Senior. Hello. And Alex Wiltshire. Hello. Hello. We'll get to that in a minute, I suppose. We should do some news, I think, probably. What is mm. then? There is no news. There's actually some news. And all we, all any of us want to do is, is bang on about Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Or do they? They die a lot more than that, in my experience. Yes. But we'll get to that. News, guess what? Sam Barlow, her story man, mm. he's uh, announced his new game. Sounds good. Mm. It's called Telling Lies. And it looks sort of, from what the, from the description, uh, structurally similar to her story in that you use a more modern computer system to access an NSA database of footage of people, four people this time, um, in order to piece together a story by searching for keywords, which is... The her story mechanic but yeah the trailer came out today uh, i just showed you both it it's how, a muscular how trailer. Do I feel mm, it's a muscle mm. yeah it's good strong very muscular mm. what muscle it's the glutamus maximus <laughs> you get a it's the one i can remember <laughs> <laughs> the heart is a muscle alex and the brain yeah. could have been either of them yeah <laughs> Where's the best muscle? 96 lies in this video game, we're told. Is it 96? 96 yeah. lies. That's I do lies. like the, a nice documentation of mm. the number of untruths. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, to, it's to preempt some very specific questions that will inevitably get at Gamescom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many lies? <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> so lots more kind of confessional to camera stuff, but it seems to be mixed in with maybe some sort of found world, found footage yeah. stuff as well, which is I, a bit new. I think the setup is, because it's like data that's been harvested on these people over the course of several years. Mm from different sources Probably, yeah like, from their like their laptop cameras and whatnot yeah you know in their, their telephones their snaps their, their snapchats their tiktok accounts <laughs> uh and so i don't know what any of these things are um their instagram stories bad tweets that'd be, <laughs> that'd be really good yeah. story. their irqs <laughs> maybe yeah, the I, I'll see. I, I, do you mean icq no the hit interrupt Oh, don't worry. Okay, wow. Let's, let's, let's forget that bit. Okay. Google search history. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. She makes it multi- multimedia elements. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Really oh, wow, yeah. 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 Multi- We've gotten entirely off Sam Barlow's yeah. probably excellent game here, but what if, you, what if you had a murder mystery where you had to figure out who, who'd done it based on what, search like, the Google for. algorithm knows <laughs> yeah. about them? <laughs> what videos they've watched? Yeah. What, what, uh, we what think this person <laughs> likes murder. The <laughs> thing is, if it was, like, what we, you know, trying to find a murderer based on what, youtube recommends they watch mm. that wouldn't find literally nobody because you watch three videos about like i don't know peppa pig and do you want to know more about charles manson is like the next thing mm. that youtube picks for you they're all so, guilty <laughs> exactly <yeah. laughs> but, you know reams of gaffer tape on an amazon order would uh would be a good find in a hunt for a killer and stuff like that oh that would yeah. be good wouldn't it mm. like, just all the internet records 
Yeah, like it's basically like Minority Report, but we, no one knows a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything about everyone, but in some ways nothing at all. I think we've gotten rather off track here. Yeah, the game looks cool as far as that trailer just mm. It feels, it feels really kind of na- native to the publisher, Annapurna, as well, mm. as a kind of a film uh, uh, maker. Like, yeah. this feels like a game which can easily be made to speak to way outside of games, mm. like the sort of thing that mm. would fit on mobiles and TVs and stuff like that. that yeah, right. Yeah. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited to do I, I Oh, think- and the talent as well. Mm. Yeah, right, yeah. Her off Westworld, Storm from the new X-Men films. Other, I can't remember what the, the dude was in. You know, actors. Really, really, really <laughs> well-known actors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's only, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is it fulfills this remit of like, you wouldn't necessarily expect um a, a, a big, an ambitious escalation on her story, right? Like, you know, you're talking about what sequels to various games might look like, but it's a good idea. It's a really good format. Like yeah. mm. her story is a really successful story delivery mechanic. And it's like, it's the game where the, that mechanic is super cool and like really surprising and exciting to first grapple with it. But yeah. like then once you've done that, like once the, the initial shock's over, you've got the story there and like you can make multiple of them and it, it just becomes about the story that you uncover. Like yeah. the mechanic is, is almost right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's in service to that. Really, I'm surprised that mechanic wasn't imitated more. Actually, yeah. because it feels as mm. as adaptable as like the choose your own adventure format or something yeah, like yeah, that in terms yeah. of interactive fiction. It's really, really good. It's yeah. really strong, and, and you know, it just takes hold of a mechanic that everyone understands. Googling something and turns that into the primary interaction. Like anyone yeah, can yeah. do that. It's great. Really cool. Yeah, funny, Mister Trick, not calling it their story. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, telling lies. Telling lies. Okay. 96 lies. <laughs> Telling 96 Telling lies. I wonder if there'll be like a, they, uh, there are blocks representing each bit of footage in her story. So I wonder if there'll be a block for each lie. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's 96 lies and one big lie. Okay. So like a boss lie. A boss lie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, final lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So other video games, cause it's been sort of a, a, just a rush of sort of lunchtime announcements today. And I'm not sure what, what it was other than Wednesday. Yeah, E3 seems to be starting earlier and earlier in terms of people keep right, on sort yeah. of getting well, out in front of E3. Given that nobody's actually going it's to March. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's March, which is nuts, but like, it's weird that so many developers, different developers, different publishers decided to announce their games exactly this at 1pm today for some reason. <laughs> this Wednesday. Why? I guess the financial year ends in a couple of days. Oh, maybe that's so it. that's oh, a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine that being mm-hmm. too much of a factor in, 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 uh, telling lies, but with other things, maybe it makes sense to get an announcement out before the end of the financial year. I don't know. Because mm. of financial aspects of things, like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because sometimes the money goes up and then sometimes it goes down. Yeah. You, you don't catch it when it comes down because it's like one of those, yeah. like, cloud platforms in Mario. This is how I understand the yeah. economy. Yeah. 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 WASDAQ, NASDAQ, them. WASDAQ. <laughs> the, uh, the, the numbers. <laughs> Mason the numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, sometimes they go bad. You need to grease them. Yeah, you do. Uh, you gotta make them greasy or else they'll go wrong and that's how you get the division. Mm. Not the product, the premise. But, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Other video games that were, uh, so one, um, that was definitely already announced was Wolfenstein Youngblood. Not to be confused with Wolfenstein and the Old Blood, I think. Yeah, that's it. Hmm? Yes, that was the first was expansion. expansion. That was yes. the first expansion for Wolfenstein, The New Order. The prequel to Wolfenstein, The New Colossus. 
Oh, this is getting confusing. Yeah. There's... Young, new, old. Yeah, I think Tom, Tom Francis did a good tweet about this today. But yeah, <laughs> I think, well, they have, young is at least a sort of synonym for new. So they are branching out. Yeah. They are branching out, uh, between their, their narrow set of acceptable Wolfen nouns. Um, but, uh, so the trailer came out, they announced, I think they announced this at E3 last year, actually. Um, this is a Wolfenstein sequel being made by, uh, Machine Games and Arcane. I think mm-hmm. in the sort of amalgamation of Bethesda, Cool Shoots, Craft, Shoots Studio. Craft. <laughs> uh, again, I'm just getting rid of games. Craftists. Um, <laughs> um, but it is a co-op game set in the eighties where you play as BJ Blazkowicz's very angry twin daughters, which is a cool idea. Yeah. And the trailer's quite fun. It's yeah. very fun. Yeah. yeah. Really good, loud, flashy shooting. Hmm. Like the idea of, I'm not sure what co-op would bring to Wolfenstein really. And the trailer didn't really convince me that shooting lots of bad guys next to someone else shooting lots of bad guys isn't going to generate any, any different experience to normal Wolfenstein, but it looks nice. Hmm. I hope what it does is mean they do shorter cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> I, given their quality, uh, I'm surprised that I totally, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be like without seeing uh, Blaskovich is just big crying eyes, big sad sort of puppy dog eyes in it. Well, that's what leads you through the story. You've got to see him. You've got to see him at the end. Yeah, exactly. the boss eyes. He, he is yeah. your dad now. Yeah, and <laughs> you've got to find I him. Kind of want him to be my dad in a game. Actually, I do like that idea for some reason. <laughs> Your actual dad I don't too. know why. Yeah. And also that maybe. I don't know. I think it's a nice, also, it's a, a nice development on the sort of long running. We've had a lot of games, the years and years of typically console kind of first party experiences where you are the gruff dad trying to shepherd, you know, your child into a dangerous, supposed apocalyptic or, or sort of current broken world. <laughs> and I do like the idea of finally subverting that. And now you're the kids hmm. trying to find dad. Yeah. Um, trying to find big dad. Um, your massive dad. Um, which is actually a really great Sekiro segue that we're not going to do because your dad in that is huge. Yeah. Oh, oh is he? That stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's good to know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you've, you're past that point. What? Yeah. Huh? Anyway. Um, I've never met a dad. Well, you sort, you sort of have. Uh-huh. He's in the opening cutscene. Okay. Anyway, when we'll get to mm. this, we'll get to this. Um, <laughs> dad stuff. The other thing I don't know if we want to talk about it is they basically announced Borderlands three today with a trailer what do you mean basically because i think it's getting announced at pax this weekend so by the time this pod goes out it might Uh, actually have been announced today mm. they did one of them um sort of like pan around some stuff teaser trailers um that just establishes a borderlands thing is coming but everyone's expecting borderlands three it's been rumored for a while Mm. it's sort of been expected that it'd be the thing gearbox did next um yeah. Did you give a sense of the visual style? Not at all. The The video they put out looked a lot like the intro to... Do you ever watch Black Sails? Yes. The pirate show? Yeah. You know, that sort of... Um, there's a particular style of modern TV intro, the Westworld slash Daredevil slash <laughs> sort of like um, the old, mo- oh, yeah. moody shots of a static object. It's either moody HBO TV show opening or Avengers <laughs> credit sequence. Those are the two... <laughs> The formats for like let's let's pan um in a sort of dramatic way around a statue yeah. or, a, or or an object let's yeah. really get into the grain of yeah, yeah, a piece yeah. of fucking boat yeah. look at well, it my favorite my favorite is american gods which is mm. 
uh, a total ball where each section is uh, one of the represented by one of the modern gods and it's just this neon magnificent beautiful monstrosity so I have I have a, I, I really hate that intro oh really why because, because it doesn't fit the fucking the anything in the actual in the actual series but all the, like, the they, I know it represents the gods the aesthetic of the gods is carried into it's the like, mm. there's no neon but that's the only reason why you watch the show is for how the gods are represented no, how they no, look no, that, that the is show is kind of nonsense otherwise <laughs> <laughs> it is very nonsense yeah <laughs> Yeah, any so, excitement for a border, a bordering land? Uh, yes. I'm really yeah. excited about it. Yeah. I'm actually, because um, you like to loot. I, I like the loot, because it's basically, it was just Diablo, but it's a shooter. Mm. And also the, the rules around the loot generation were so loose that you'd get genuinely surprising stuff, even though the, like, That's the, true. the trade-off is the guns didn't feel like amazing to fire compared to like a dedicated shooter with, you know, pre-designed. It could weapons. be though, like, when you've Quite got absolute, a nice yeah. one, you'd really treasure it, even when it got, um, going back to an old conversation we had weeks ago, like, that was a game where you could really treasure a, a gun mm. because it felt nice, even though the stats were way down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, um, fun character powers. We used to have, had like a raven that did stuff to people. I can't remember really. It was ages ago. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, uh, also I think it's it coming, it's emerging in a really interesting place where loads of stuff has been quietly influenced by Borderlands without anyone yeah, really talking about it. True. And the fact that, um, the division and destiny and stuff like that, they, they have kind of have roots in the Borderlands structure. Yeah, they do, yeah. Uh, and so it'd be very interesting to see like how this, the conversation between all these games unfolds and what Borderlands 3 is going to do to kind of respond to destiny and the division and that type of looter shooter. Cause now it's a full, full well, on genre. Is, like since Borderlands 2, it's been a completely change of the kind of the game model kind of landscape. So, mm. I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up being game service, service for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's a great fit for service type game for sure. Yeah. Uh, and that you know, it'd be interesting to see if that alienates the core fan base who enjoy it as just a very dedicated co-op shooter that lasts for forty, fifty hours. Although, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it spins because it's quite sort of big on story, mm. isn't it? So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how they spin that around. Such mm. a concept. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think it's in a really good position because it's also Borderlands art style translates very well to today when colourful. Uh, free to play games are pretty much making the most money in the world <laughs> in terms of yeah, right. Fortnite and Apex and stuff like that. Borderlands art style and appeal will fit directly into that landscape and, True. and it still has its own, does have its own identity as annoying as, kind of annoying as it is. <laughs> uh, it's got its, <laughs> its sense of edginess that, you know, is whatever, is sometimes funny and sometimes it's great for me. Uh, but that's an identity. It has more than like perhaps the division has going for it, for example, in that respect. So yeah. I'm actually really excited to see what, what, it's kind of funny thinking about how much it was aped by other things actually, like yes. that decision. Cause I believe the, with the first board, Lands, the decision to cell shade it and and make it so colorful was quite late in development mm. like it was yeah, an art style yeah, change yeah. which is really interesting and it, it was very forward thinking because it wasn't at a time when that was what shooters looked like necessarily yeah. but yeah that sort of like sort of sci-fi mad max um sort of wasteland chic kind of thing with cool music and everyone's got cool hair it's like Yep, that was Fortnite before Fortnite. Like it's mm. uh, Apex for it. You know, the, there's it's um, the art uh, style. Rage Two. Like it's in so much stuff actually. Like loads yeah. of stuff that owes a debt to Borderlands. Um, and those games were really good because they um, they were much bigger than the shooters you were buying at the time. They they really over delivered mm. on. The, if you've got friends that wanted to consistently play it with you, those games are enormous. They're massive, and you can keep on running them and getting loot. And you know, it was yeah, yeah. They they were ahead of their time in their own way. And um, it, it's interesting to think about in terms of. Uh, what was the Gearbox's last game? It was a f- disaster. 
Battleborn. Uh, Battleborn, which is just uh, unbelievably bad for me. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. Uh, and uh, uh, you always get the sense that A team is always on Borderlands in some way. So I'd like, mm. I'd like to see what Gearbox can really do, you know, in a month. Yeah, right. Well, Gearbox is such a hot and cold studio. Yes, right. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think it went, well, like, it was Borderlands 1. Aliens, Colonial Marines, Borderlands mm. 2, Battleborn, Borderlands yeah, 3. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so hopefully we're on the up here. That's There's good. a pattern emerging. It's like it's Star Trek either, films. Yeah, it's, like, it's either like Star Trek films and every other one is good, yeah. or it's the Borderlands games are good. Mm. That's what they really want to make. <laughs> yeah, that's their right, property, yeah. but, but you know, they own. Well, they own Battleborn as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and maybe this is a... Yeah, by the time this pod comes out, hopefully they'll have shown something. But yeah, I, I think the thing they need to do for me to compete particularly with destiny um i wasn't a huge fan of the division is feel like they have to make it you know because i think i think the one thing they got away with because they were innovating so much was it being a bit ropey as a shooter occasionally like Mm. you you occasionally you are you're not shooting people you are hosing them down with like the numbers hose until they fall down i suspect that that's part of its kind of sort of identity though i mean like you know Mm. because also the destiny thing is these kind of incredibly honed kind of designed encounters like yeah mega contrived Mm. kind of sort of specialist specialized things whereas you know toward lands was very much about ah well we're going to give you shit loads to do but Mm. it's all kind of the same yeah you kind of it might not work (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, old school bullet school bullet sponge bosses and stuff like that, which in in the wake of stuff like Destiny's raids, it's interesting. Like that, that stuff felt really anymore. surprising and weird at the time, but mm. now it's just totally normal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff about Borderlands. Like, um, PC Gamer, we're working on loads of retrospective features and just finding loads of stuff in there that has been quietly lifted by other developers and mm. is surprisingly on trend. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see how it's evolved. Yeah. I want to talk about Sekiro Shadows Die yeah. Twice. So a bit of a bit of a, a caveat before we start. I don't think any of us have played anything else this week. Tom, I know you lost your entire mind. Yeah. <laughs> but in a good way. Um and congratulations on finishing it. I think that's a genuine accolade to be in the first generation of a group of people to you play any read this review, again. by the way, which yeah. is very good to Yes. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert, but I gave it ninety two out yeah. of one hundred points on the completely objective <laughs> scale review. Yeah, that's 92 lies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some good boss lies. In the yeah, there's some very, very big good. boss lies. Uh, yeah, um, no, no, it's, it's fucking And I've played about 23 hours of it now. Yeah. And you can look out for some really insightful points of view from me because I've played about one and a half hours. No, I think you played a little bit more than that. Maybe. Uh, maybe maybe fast progress, but yeah. Mm. I didn't die. I, mean, I was so good at it though that. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Just a natural shinobi. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've always thought about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, deadly. Deadly. Always a on point counter. There he is. He's, re- he's wrecked my posture. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, um, I'm, but also from a spoiler point of view, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. We're not going to spoil stuff, um, mm. I think, but we will talk about. We'll do our best. We're going to talk about, right. avoid spoiling specific things. Um, and, but I would like to, I know I, I personally would like to talk about, you know, um, the surprising scope of it and how it kind of grows mm. and how it feels like a from software game, which is, you know, means talking a little bit about themes and mechanics yes. as the game develops, but avoiding specific spoilers, I think, past oh, the first couple of I saw hours. so many headlines from some outlets that were just like, this isn't Souls, it's a whole new thing. I was like, you no. haven't you haven't done it. You no, haven't it played it all. <laughs> it's, it's a Souls game. If you can make a friend and they say something, if they say like, hello, yes, it is sad. Would you like some rice? <laughs> and you say, yes. And they go, sorry. And they give you some rice. 
that's a so that that's a from software game that is like the purest, <laughs> purest, <laughs> the purest form of interaction <laughs> yeah. um you know uh, and and it has that in in abundance in terms of strange interactions with yeah with, but the monsters talk in this one like it can't be a why Souls can't we game. talk <laughs> because do you listen to the people you kill you, yeah well the they monsters say in bloodborne yeah. they would explain the way oh, in which the true, town actually. was finished all that's the time <laughs> it's very true yeah. yeah they were quite chatty in bloodborne for sure <laughs> um in the, <laughs> and actually to be honest uh, a lot of the eavesdropped conversations in sekura come down to the town being finished <laughs> in some way it's, it's what from software obsessed with every world is crumbling every, yeah every it's town really, is is finished it's, yeah, it's being yeah. in the process of being finished for sure and then sometimes it's your job just to make sure the town ends really. <laughs> yeah. just put it out of its misery really. yeah exactly won't someone death blow this town <laughs> oh man i don't know really where to start with it so i would say you know maybe just initial impression stuff but like off the bat easily game of the year for me so far and i'd be amazed if anything's better because it's mm-hmm. so fucking good to the extent that um i had as people you know podcast listeners will know kind of agonized about my relationship with devil may cry 5 for which is i think a good game Ooh. but things i really don't like about it and frustrations and all this stuff and then this other game comes along where you're a one-armed swordsman with a massive dad <laughs> and it's so weird the similarities between those two games as well. Yeah. Sorry if you Devil May Cry 5 and then reviewed Sekiro. And they're such interesting games to put side by side because their combat systems, I love them both almost equally, but they just have very different core fantasies that are mm. beautifully expressed. So Devil May Cry 5 is about expressing yourself. It's about improvisation. It's about uh, showing off, basically. And then Sekiro is about just raw survival. Uh, yeah. th- those two core... And the, 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 the fantasies of the combatants in both those games are so different that I enjoy them both equally. Uh, but they both ruined third-person combat systems for me this year. I just, yeah. Nothing else is going to do that as well as these games, I don't think. So mm. I can't go back and play The Witcher 3. I was planning to do a Witcher 3 playthrough and do some oh, DLC God, and stuff. Yeah. So it, you know what I mean? Like, having come off yeah. this, how sharp it is and how exciting and, you know, how high yeah. stakes the combat is, just just rolling around and flapping at stuff, it just isn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's properly reset the bar for me for, like, what I expect from it. But there's also, like, um, you know, Dark Souls was always just a little bit sort of scrappy you yeah. know like yeah. it's sort of the way that uh, a sword could kind of extend through a wall and you know there was a sort mm, of a looseness to it sure. that you could use and sometimes be used by there was you know there was an inexactness which only experience could kind of you know excuse mm. you know because i i saw people kind of really bounce off that stuff and sort of like this is shoddy but mm. you know clearly it wasn't but this is fucking honed mm. like this is there's not been as technically masterly con- constructed a game from that studio. I don't think. No, is yeah, it's the, like the combat system. They've not done anything that is mechanically as good as yeah. as the way that that works. And to explain it, actually, just to give an overview, if you've uh, if you've not played it yet, um, enemies have health bars, but they also have posture bars, and you have this as well. Uh, and the most important of those two is the posture bar most of the time because if you max out the posture bar you get a, a red reticle appears in the, on, in the enemy chest and you get to instantly kill them with your mm. cool katana uh, the health bar uh, affects the rate to which the posture bar regenerates so by wounding people and getting cuts here and there you more you know quickly build up the posture bar for for being good at that uh, but it's always about that it's about the killing blow and it's uh, for a game about swords 
is what I've always wanted from a combat yeah. system. Uh, that it's not about just chipping down till an enemy is down to like one point of health and then getting a quick slash off and then they just literally fall over of their own accord. This is about finishing it, getting an opening. Uh, and there's a, there's a whole rhythm, really subtle kind of almost initiative system built into it that revolves around parries and counter parries and certain special attacks and ways that you get around those as well. Yeah. Uh, and that means that combat is really fast. You can never ever take more than like two or three hits. Yeah. Um, and the, the rules of the system are taught to you in the first hour and the game never deviates from those rules. Like, yeah. it's consistent throughout the game. Um, if, where you're fighting bosses and they'll get tricks here, there'll be kind of weird status effects you might see, but the fundamental parry, fill out posture bar, death blow is, is just like sacred throughout and the entire game. That sense of lethality is just mm. so, it, it's you know, you, you yeah. know, it, it can make you feel miserable because you're on the, the receiving end of it and then you can feel sort of, the best yeah. thing in the world. Mm. I think a really vital thing as well is that um, there are attack archetypes that are also consistent no matter what you're fighting. Mm. And so, right. and and this is partly because I think at its basic level, the game is sort of, um, it has a sort of uh, a magic realist style, like a lot of the Souls things, but it's far much less obviously a fantasy world at first than, there are things about it that are, it's obviously, it's, you know, I think the other thing we should say is it's, it's the first one that's set in a very, it's a specific era. So it's, it's Sengoku, it's late Sengoku era feudal Japan. Hmm. It's uh, in a, I think a fictional area of Japan and during a sort of uh, fictionalized war, but it's got as trappings of real culture and history, right? People are Buddhist in it. You know, there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's the first Trump software game that is not in a fantasy, total fantasy world. And as a result, a lot of the enemies you fight early on are, apart from the massive chickens, are, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, um, the, and the gnome, the little and, gnome. Uh, no, I mean, they're human at the end of the day. Like, they're just weirdos. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you fight a lot of like, sort of, uh, I guess, sort of grotesque people, but they're people and they fight with spears and swords and things. You, you, there's, there's a little bit less weirdness. It'll get there. But mm. like, and, um, and the thing it teaches you pretty early on as well as all of the sort of fundamentals of combat is that like you've got sweep attacks, thrust attacks, um, and these, um, are telegraphed in a particular way. And so unlike assaults, assaults or bloodborne traditionally where those telegraphs are probably need to, need to be relearned for every single enemy type. Mm. You still need to do a bunch of learning for enemies, but certain aspects of its vocabulary are now consistent across. Even when it gets kind of wild later on, mm. you start getting, you know, sweep equivalents and the answers to those things remain the same. So a sweep attack, you have to kind of jump over it and you can chain a jump into a jumping kick, which does extra posture damage if off a sweep attack and that kind of thing. And as soon as you uh, really internalize this stuff, it gets really satisfying to the extent that... um I think the thing I realized about it is I immediately found it like quite a lot easier than souls, which I don't know if that's a universal experience. I've seen people say the exact opposite. Mm. I think I've seen, I've seen people who really, and I would say that like, I was only ever like an hour. I mean, people have watched a lot of me failing at Bloodborne, like only ever average at these games, but I've played a shitload of sword fighting games. I played Blade Symphony really seriously. Mm. I played uh, For Honor seriously for a long time, played Absolver pretty seriously. And it reminds me so much more of those games, like fighting games than it does, mm. even though it's the, the structure it fits into is very, very from software and very souls. The, the rhythm of, um, you know, in a competitive fighting game or a competitive 3d sword fighting game, you don't wait for your opponent to attack, dodge sideways and slap them on the bum, which is the dark souls way of killing anything really. Yeah. Right. You have to get the parry opening and you have to learn those counters and actually do it. You know, there's, um, you can't rely on, 
uh, gaming it beyond a certain point. And it feels a lot like that. And the payoff for that is when you really internalize. So it, it forces you into learning the kinds of things that you could sometimes just get away with not learning in Dark Souls, like actual counters. Like good Dark Souls players or PvPers would be constantly countering everything properly and yeah. setting up the, the critical hit repost stuff. But most people would get through the game without having to really internalize those yeah. techniques. This one, you have to. Like, you, that is the game, is internalizing mm. that. But the rewards for doing it are much greater because because even successfully countering a blow at the right time does posture damage. So rather than it being like, the counter means I now get to do some damage, the counter itself is the same as hitting someone. Yeah, You know, it's like... And that changes, that is the thing that pulls it into fair territory, I think, away from being just mm. harder Dark Souls. Um, and it feels so good. I saw someone else make this comparison today on Twitter, but it occurred to me. I did a boss fight that initially seemed impossible, and then it's a two-stage boss fight, which it likes to do sometimes. And, um, I, uh, and it's against a, you know, a human swords person, but, um, there's like rapid flurries of attacks and things. And as soon as you learn the cadence of those attacks and your perfect countering every single blow, it goes from feeling like, what the fuck is this? Dodge roll to the side, dodge roll to the side, dodge roll to the side, get out yeah. of the way to that attack becoming like, this is an opportunity. And if that yeah, person is vulnerable and you counter everything, you've just taken a boss that feels really intimidating and turned their own attacks into something you're feeding back at them. Mm. And in that moment, you feel like fucking Daigo Umahara or something like, <laughs> really you know, do. you know, the, yeah. the Daigo full parry street fighter moment. Um, I don't, it's a famous yeah, yeah, Street Fighter yeah. competitive, you know, the, the full parry in the counter. Yeah, I've seen the video. That's Sekiro, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like parry every attack and then do one thing and mm. win. And it's fucking, it's I've just, just spoken for five minutes, but it's fucking great. It's great. Um, the, it, it, there's such an interesting conversation going on between, um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne and this game, um, between those games and its fans. Uh, and it's, I find it really interesting to see how Sekiro achieves a lot of what Bloodborne wanted to achieve through just better design and the main thing the way it does it so bloodborne wants players to be more aggressive so it puts in this re regain system where if you take damage uh you can get that health back by mm. attacking uh whereas sekiro dumps that but says there is no stamina bar and instead we have yeah. this posture system um so you're not limited in how you can attack you're you could be proactive at any point in the, in the fight when you're not being comboed against and if that even as chris says when you're being comboed against you you it, you could be proactive in that by def deflecting and by countering effectively. So you, you, the fight is always happening. You're not behind a shield waiting for a bar to recharge. Uh, and you're not like being forced to go in there to get health back. You, you it, the fight is constantly happening in a, in a, a combat in Sekiro in a way that it isn't in Bloodborne necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, oh, just like enemy types, there's bits of Bloodborne in some of the enemies you fight. Um, a lot of the, sort of the beast enemies make it into certain enemies in Sekiro. And there's, um, you just see like echoes of you know the ghost of Dark Souls fights come into some of the boss fights, and I think uh, the, the starting point for, for it feels like for a lot of the encounters you have in Sekiro is actually the uh, Maria fight in Bloodborne's yeah, DLC, that, yeah, yeah, which is just one on one, and it's you versus just a master swordsman who has you know some extraordinary abilities. But those fights are just um, electric in this game, where mm -hmm. you're just like lining up against another martial artist. Uh, and some of them, like the one amazing guy has, is it a sword master? But he also has this enormous bow that he can just like, whip yeah, off that's his back the fight I was talking about. Yeah. yeah and it, it's like, it, it feels electric to be just facing off against yeah. an, an opponent that's just 
more capable than you are but in a, a recognizable way it's mm. not like doing magic at you all the time it's just a guy with a sword who's mm. amazing and the combat system sustains tense back and forth and a fight that will last 20 minutes that you end up just totally wired like i'm just like adrenaline is going forcing myself to keep calm because i know that the death blow is so close and uh, like my hands are sweating and yeah like, and then afterwards you, just, you breathe a sigh of relief and uh all of the kind of catharsis that you get from dark souls victories over tough bosses are really good like condensed in those death blows because that is the moment where it's just you fucking do it and and the animation always celebrates the violence of the moment spectacularly and is it like it feels amazing there's some yeah. of the best boss fights to me in, in the, the and, history and this, the thing it does i think that i think expresses some confidence is i think compared to dark souls it's much more generous with runbacks to boss fights yes definitely. so we should say that um it is a souls structure game hmm. um and um you know in terms of its overall structure you are finding uh sculptors idols which are bonfires basically hmm. and uh on, you know you have that same rhythm of uh, having this huge environment and learning how it fits together mm. and how you finding routes from places to places and opening doors and unlocking all these routes and things. The difference is you don't have souls or that kind of thing. Um, you also don't have loot really in the same, in quite the same way you do, but it's not, uh, it, you know, you are a swordsman and you have one katana for, you know, for the most part. And, um, that's, and the gadgets and, you know, you were not choosing to be, you're not leveling up in that way. You're not putting points into vitality to have a bigger bar or anything like that. Hmm. There are upgrades, but they are much more kind of chunky. Instead, you have money, um, that you gain from killing people basically, uh, and then hoovering into yourself, which yeah. is a very good mechanic. The, uh, all your money's mine now. Yeah, uh, button, and you gain XP. And but when you've leveled up, you get skill points that you then put into skill trees that you move through and unlock as the game goes on. And then when you die, yeah, when you, you probably lose a chunk of right. Yeah, when you die, you probably lose half of both. That's kind of the way it works. Yeah. So you lose half your current XP and half your current money. But your XP, but it's only the bar. Like yeah. any experience, like every time your bar fills you get an experience point which you can then invest in your skills yeah. the, um, but they they once you've earned that that's permanent yeah so you, the, yeah you, once you banked one of the skill points you have it forever but yeah, yeah the progress to the next skill point is hard yeah uh the so for, first of all that's just not punishing in the way that dark souls or, or there's no run back either there's no getting it back so no there's none of that and it's fine to lose money it's fine to lose that, that skill stuff really like it, the, the but fundamental design change that's happened here is that you can't grind for power mm. you just can't and that is huge like that's a that's a massive change in the way the entire game is structured because that you can design encounters around a predictable player uh power level just numerically yeah. the amount of damage and the amount of kind of posture damage you can do uh and and for me that that must have been a, a big part of why it's, a lot of these boss encounters are so satisfying is because they know that you can only have so many strength upgrades you, yeah. you only have so many you know uh health and upgrades cause you could only have discovered so many prayer, prayer beads by this point right yeah. and that, that can only have helped them hone these these the, the most intense combat encounters and, and also i think it stops players from sometimes ruining the game for themselves in the way that repeatedly running areas in dark souls so we find it kind of like relaxing and meditative but actually uh for people who are stuck that's the way out is to grind and to put loads of hours into doing that without actually engaging with the game systems and removing that is actually kind of i think there are arguments 
I kind of disagree with myself a little bit, but I think for me that's a that's better better because yeah. you're you're focusing players to engage with the core fantasy, the core experience, which is the core. I, think, I do yeah. think that that is part of the reason why people I've seen few people bouncing off it. I love the Dark Souls games, but I bounced mm. off this, and I think it's because they feel powerless because they've having to play by the game's rules. Yeah, yeah. I do, do you think that like losing souls and gathering souls. Uh, and Blood Echoes, they're incredibly thematically important to the, both to mm-hmm. those games. So, uh, and also the moment of despair, like Dark Souls, is all, it's, it's, despair is built into its world and its mechanics equally. And and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily want to go back and just put Sekiro's combat system in there because I think it would undermine a, a lot of what yeah, yeah. creates the, the ho- Dark Souls is much more of a horror game than Bloodborne is as well. Uh, and this is a very different fantasy and they've just designed a, a system I'd prefer to support it. Right, yeah. And, and interesting to talk about theme a little bit because I think, I, it's not to say that they've abandoned the theming, abandoning the system. It just has, it has very different sort of set of ideas. Yeah. And it's, it's really, I, and I think it is very much a kind of, you know, of a conversation with those. I don't want to get too deep into this because I think it bears a bigger discussion, but just on the point of upgrade currency, hmm. like the thing about, uh, who you are, you are, you know, uh, wolf in Sekiro or Sekiro, the one armed wolf, basically. Hmm. Well, you're not one armed at the beginning of the game. Minus so points. <laughs> um, um, and, um, and, um, you are super capable. You know, it's not, it's not quite the kind of Pilgrim's Progress thing of Dark Souls where it's like, what the hell is going on? Where am I? And mm. why is everything so scary? Nor is it the Bloodborne thing of like, you know, what is this sort of nightmare world I've stepped into where I feel completely uh, alien? You are, you have much more obvious connections to the people and, and this world. You belong there. You are a shinobi ninja. You, yeah, people know you even. People know you. Yeah. And you're super capable. Like, um, you are, you know, you begin the game in, in the sort of traditional from software sort of like, I'm sad in a well position. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but, um, but, um, you are very, very capable. The question is, I think, you know, the core of the game is like, um, you know, what does it actually mean to have that power and how do you responsibly use it to some extent? And, um, you know, a thing, and it is in the same way that it is in Dark Souls incorporated into the story that you cannot die. In fact, there's a, me- a mechanic we haven't mentioned, which is resurrection, which is you get two lives in any one life, really, hmm. potentially more, depending on other systems. But when you die the first time in a given run, you can get back up again. And then it's the second one that kills you, usually. Um, and that is built into its story. Um, about who you are and, and why you are. And so the idea that you're this sort of like, in some ways, kind of scary figure yourself, this sort of, um, phantom that whose progress is somewhat inevitable, mm. um, is a big part of its theme in an interesting way. So it doesn't make sense to, to punish you in quite the same way. But one thing I, I do like about it is I remember Tom, when we were doing the bomb playthrough, we were talking about the kind of the, um, I've completely forgotten healing vials. What are the health items in Bloodborne called? Uh, blood, blood, they're blood. vials, blood vials. You just inject yeah. yourself with blood. Yeah. The, but you're having to grind for them because you, oh, you, want, yeah. you know, you want to have your limit for, yeah. there's a version of that in, and, and, you know, it was interesting talking about the, um, um, the reason for that, right? Like mm. that it, it, um, you know, um, I saw a good, um, Tamor Hussein wrote a really good preview of Sekiro or like a first impressions of Sekiro for GameSpot. I think he is someone who really, really gets these games and how yeah. they work. And, um, I saw a good tweet from him as well, sort of pointing out how a similar system works in, in Sekiro, but the purpose for having that be a consumable that you have to farm mm. is so that you ultimately don't rely on it. It's to kind of teach you again, these games always feel like they're trying to teach you how to play them mm. and fight. And over the course of this whole series now, several Dark Souls games were born and there's teaching you to try and engage with the systems. And so take telling you, this is a consumable. You can farm to get a, a, a healthy stock of them, but 
try not needing them is kind of the the lesson it's the reason they experimented with taking what was previously like regenerating estus and making it this consumable mm. health regen uh your gourd your ever replenishing gourd is um now back to being a a thing that regenerates when you rest yeah, that's, for important reasons that's just better as well the equivalent of uh, you know, Bourbon's health bars is, uh, spirit notes, which, are these, which are basically currency. Um, I love what these actually are. They're, they're essentially like tokens that you need in order to use certain special abilities, but most importantly, your gadgets. We haven't really talked about gadgets. You have a prosthetic arm, which can be initially like a shuriken thrower, then a spear, an axe, um, a big fan, um, some feathers. Flamethrowy thing. A flamethrowy yeah, thing. There's, there's a lot of things it can do. Mm. And in order to use it, you need these tokens, which if you're playing well and kind of making progress, you'll end up with vast amounts of them. And then if you get stuck in a boss for a long time, you may end up running low. Uh, but what they basically are, and I love this, is apology notes. <laughs> They're basically little sort of like, sorry. And so you can use your special gadgets and tricks and things, but only if you've written like several pre-written <laughs> apology notes to the person that you've just <laughs> eviscerated. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. It's really, really good. But it serves the same purpose of telling you which which systems are things that you should be focusing on and which things are sort of like garnish. You know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, those. Um, it does feel like those. Um, there's no summoning. There's no multiplayer in this game, mm. uh, which is a big change from previous games. And summoning was often the crutch that people relied on. Um, whereas actually, those uh, those notes are actually the new, the crutch that you use in this mm. game. Uh, but you can acquire them by by spending money. Uh, you can, they drop from enemies. There are items you can consume that will increase the drop rate of those enemies if you want to kind of go and farm it. Um, uh, but yeah, th- th- so for example, a good example of, early example of this is the, the red-eyed ogre that is mm. a, a guy you find that is chained up and, uh, he, he hates fire. So if you have the fire prosthetic, you can get a flinch out of it and a few extra hits. Um, but I didn't, I hadn't discovered the fire thing by then. And it's, you, it's a tough fight, but you can, completely capable yeah. beat that that boss without the the, the thing uh, and that's true of a lot of boss fights where you, you the prosthetics sometimes hard counters to certain types of enemies but mostly mm. they're just shortcuts um where if you really can't do this big ape then here's a thing that might help you a little bit with it but it's not the answer like it doesn't auto kill bosses yeah um, yeah apart from and, the axe, and which... again crucially like those rules tend to be consistent so red-eyed mm. enemies don't like fire it's a thing right um beasts whatever however that's defined um like it, you know when it when we talk about beasts in this game it's more often than not um real animals but too big um mm. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um it's a running theme um don't like uh loud noises so you have a firecracker a prosthetic that uh you can use and it works just as well as against regular size wolf as it does against real big cow um and mm. like that's you know a sort of um and that's really rewarding because it's it's rather than being like i've done this boss for ages and because I, you know because there's no multiplayer there's also no messaging system there's no mm. sadness but hooray for skeleton there's no you know try this you know, um, which is the old Dark Souls method of getting players to talk to each other. Um, in this, I think, you know, I, I know I want to have a conversation with Tom about some things. You could talk to your friends or look a guide to get information, but it's also a lot fairer in that you can intuit what might work based on what your opponent is. And so things, you know, that um, you just, you know, experiment and the systems link together in a way that feels a bit less arbitrary than some of Dark Souls is kind of like this works here. Type yeah, of stuff. and even just down, it's, it's less arbitrary than, for example, um, parry windows for Bloodborne enemies. Yeah, right. Which is um, a thing mm. you just have to sort of try and error figure out. Whereas parry, parrying is just a core part of Sekiro, but it's always, it's when the thing is about to hit you. It's, it's yeah, that, the, audio, there, the parry window is. Well, right. the audiovisual, audiovisual feedback is so much more clear. Yeah. Like in Bloodborne, you're looking at like a flurry of 
feathers and sort of bits of cloth fluttering about in front of you. Like. Yeah, and the, 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 the visual language of Bloodborne is uh, a lot more subtle and it's probably... It, I think it would put you off parrying at all for, uh, throughout that entire game because Father Gascoigne is the first like big test yeah, in right. Bloodborne. And there are certain moments like you, so you get to recognise when a, a thing rears up there's a slight slowdown as they rear up, or if they raise a, a, a weapon, there's a slight slowdown as they, before they bring it down. That's probably a parry window, Bloodborne. But it's much, much sloppier than Sekiro. And also the animation in Dark Souls, the sort of vague wave of a shield that is the parry. Like again, like, yeah, when, when what, is the where connection? is the parry point? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Sekiro uh, cleans all of that up completely like you you know to the extent of actually it flashes up symbols above your head when a certain yeah. a special attack is coming in from the enemy and i'd rather have that than yeah. the kind of guesswork that it, was it, involved it previously. can be a dick sometimes but actually i've realized oh, there's one instance there's a there's an enemy with a spear that um it's just one of the mini bosses but hmm. um that caused me a problem for a while and it was when i realized that he had two attacks that looked really similar one hmm. of them was a thrust and one of them was a special attack so it, it, it's um i think maybe i don't know if the 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 symbol is is different um hmm. but um it's a very subtle difference in animation one of them is like a sort of like it's actually like a spear uppercut but it looked really really looks like a thrust at first mm. and there's a special thrust counter that doesn't work against the other one so i found that really frustrating for ages because like why is this counter yeah um a deflect would actually work against either if timed properly but mm. the special the good counter for thrusts wasn't working because the animations were so similar and eventually i figured it out and then i realized after figuring it out hang on this is how bloodborne feels all the time like you know what i mean this one fight where yeah. this uh, you know because normally like you know the symbol might appear but it's really clear from the animation oh they're going for a sweep not a thrust because of the way they're moving and sometimes you screw up and you respond to the symbol without actually looking and, but that's on you. You know what I mean? Mm. You, you you didn't read the cue properly, so you did the wrong thing. Yeah, enemy wind-up animations, uh, like, they can last, like, half a second, but they're very telling in terms of, like, whether it's going to be a sweep, whether the weapon will get out wide rather than being held under the body ready for a thrust. Yeah. And the, the thrust counter is fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, oh, I think man. it's called the Mikuri counter or something. Uh, he just steps on their sword, just, like, treads it into the ground, and... It just feels amazing. Yeah. It looks so awesome. You're rewarded with an almost boom noise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, big posture damage. And uh, yeah, it's often Man, you get a death by that. Like, there's um, a boss I just did, uh, again, no spoilers, is basically just a full on. It's very, very hard. It's, um, so the other thing is, I think we didn't mention is bosses tend to have, you know, in addition to health and posture, uh, bosses have like a number of death blow pips, basically. Mm. And, um, I really love this system because it means that sort of ultimately death blows are the only health that matters, but it's how you get to the death blow. Do you get to the death blow yeah. by whittling away all their health? Or do you get there by countering brilliantly so their posture mm. bar gets all the way up? That's not always possible. And well, you can like, oh, there's an amalgam of both where you yeah. down health so their posture. Yep. Yeah. So on average, average fight, yes, it's an amalgamation of both. But the thing that's really cool about this from a design point of view is it allows individual types, enemy types to be tweaked between one or the other. So, um, the get the example I'll give you, I want to say what it is, but it's a boss that only has one death blow pip, but his health is really quite hard to get down. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't chip it much. But who, and whose attacks are like, you know, even with, I think the maximum number of upgrades I could have had at that point, uh, half a health bar every time something connects and the attacks are pretty constant. And so that fight isn't actually that hard. Initially, like, what the f- is this? I'm being hit all the time, two hits and I'm dead. Hmm. And my hits aren't doing basically anything. And like a full health boss doesn't take posture damage very much, but the whole fight is an exercise in just parry everything. Just don't 
don't mess up once and then all it takes is one really good run and you've got them because that's the interesting thing the more they attack you the more windows they give you yeah, to right, actually yeah. deliver them posture damage but, yeah. yeah and the cool thing about it though that fight has a theme and the theme is like you don't have to get this health bar down twice you don't have to go for the chip damage necessarily this is just learn the pattern learn the pattern and what, that might get tiresome if every boss was like that but then you go to a different boss and it's completely different mm-hmm. because the the dynamic is slightly different like maybe they take chip damage much more easily yeah but you've got two you know things there or some state change during the fight or some other mechanical change and mm. yeah yeah and some of the dodge fights as well so dodging is still a big part of yeah the right game. so and and sometimes the best way to punish an enemy is to dodge and you get a different attack coming out of the dodge that does extra posture damage so that's a different way of attacking the posture bar uh, and i love I, the interplay between health bars and posture bars and the way that allows for different types of fight is exploitative for what it seems to the maximum potential <laughs> yeah okay. and it's the reason why that combat system can sustain 50 to 70 hours because mm-hmm. it, every fight is interesting because it's, you're figuring out a way into it i think it's really fun i think i don't know if i'm reading too much into it there are moments in it where it does a Dark Souls fight. It just yeah, does, sure. it does, yeah, it does it a Bloodborne fight. And it's like, I think it's what you remember me saying, there's a dodge fight. Like, mm. like, I think of two so far where mm. it's been like, you just, you're doing a big old, and you know, maybe even a reference, like, who gave that animal a sword? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, is a, a theme from Dark Souls and this. Mm. And, um, but there's one where when you go for the bum on a creature that you're <laughs> yeah. chasing around, it shits on you. It does a big fart right in your face. And if you don't get out of that fart cloud fast enough, you're poisoned. And that felt, I don't know, I don't know. If, it's a very good, it's a very good moment. Yeah. But I don't know if it was a direct reference to Dark Souls. It must like, be. It I think must it be. must like, be. So the, from software trolls its players beautifully. Like, uh, there's, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are moments where it will just kind of, not, not very often, but just kill you in ex- extremely funny ways or yeah. just surprise you in very very funny ways mm-hmm. there's, there's a real sense of humor to that game and there's definitely a lot of um there's there's an ongoing you know hatred for shields which has existed yeah. since bloodborne um and shield enemies there's a, a very funny shield descri- description of shields in bloodborne which says they're basically useless <laughs> and uh, only an idiot would use them yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in you know you, you come across a few shield enemies in uh Sekiro and you've got this axe component that you yeah. pick up immediately and it just fucks them right up so the shields are just use- love- the shield guys are just useless in it and it's just a, an ongoing kind of in joke for dark souls and bloodborne because you get the axe like immediately before the first shield <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it is yeah, yeah. yeah it's such a- and you're even told it's good against shields like there's yeah. no no ambiguity yeah, and it doesn't just break the shield. It just gives you an instant death blow. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very yeah. funny. As someone who's this is my whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, as the design ethos has moved away from shield and sword and board and they, you know, they've been quite public about saying that we don't, we want to move away from that style and be more fast and more aggressive for the combat systems. Uh, and shields have become the victim, <laughs> almost like a, an, a symbol of the old approach that gets increasingly discard, you know, easy to fuck up with each game they make, which is, yeah, great. yeah. Lots of in jokes like that. It's very good. Um, well, there's, 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 there's more. There's, and then we should also mention it's a stealth game. Yeah, it's a oh, stealth yeah, game. Yeah, right. We haven't really talked about that at all. Also, mm. so the other the big difference between it and Souls and Bloodborne is tremendously more ver- vertical. So you have well grab- width as well as vertical. It's like it's just it's just bigger. You just get a big yeah. old area. I feel like I'm around. used to it now, and mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like I, mm. you know, um, having now played a bunch of it, and you get so used to using those traversal systems. So you have lots of running and jumping, obviously, but you also have a grapple hook with a really generous range and you sort of auto lock onto grapple points sort of up in the environment. And so feeling for them and getting a sense of where they are is how you find cool secret routes sometimes. Yeah. There's climbing and, and things like that. And, or like ledge shuffling, um, uncharted style ledge shuffling. And 
um, that stuff makes it feel so much, uh, freer, I think. Um, but it also supports this, um, it's very much not a corridor and room based game. It's a environment game, uh, a lot of the time. There are corridors and rooms, but, you know, um, predominantly it's, it's, it's a lot more interested in big environments. The other thing is, yeah, it has pretty robust stealth mechanics and, um, in the, you know, enemies have sight, you make sound, um, and, the way this interacts with it is, again, it feels to me a bit like a replacement for uh, summoning in a weird way. Mm. In that stealth, more often than not, like, it is not a stealth game in that you can ghost it, but it is a stealth game in the sense that um, if you approach an area correctly, you can probably take one or more enemies out before um, before it turns into a fight. And often an attack from behind is instant death blow even against some big enemies, um, and including bosses in some cases. So if a boss or a mini boss at least has two health bars or two death blow pips, you can get, you can find ways to get rid of one of them and turn the fight into a very different fight in your favor. And often that introduces interesting choices. Like, um, I might be able to get this death blow attack in on the boss before the fight begins. And that's probably worth it, but it also means maybe not deleting some other enemy from the yeah. environment. Yeah. And then later on you get abilities uh, pretty deep into the game. Actually, you get abilities that then play off that a little bit and allow you to do things off a stealth kill that. Yeah, um, those are great. Those are real <laughs> cool. And that change the dynamic of it as well. Like it has this stealth sandbox kind of aspect to it. Um, yeah, I was really surprised by yeah. how much you can just bypass stuff like it is sort of mm. there's an early sub boss which kind of i don't even know he is a real boss really but you know it's it's a challenge account encounter but you can completely just go past him and yeah well the general which you could kind of do in in bloodborne and things but you could run through areas for sure in it, fact like but you'd usually sort of you'd usually fight everything first so you can search for stuff but in this one there's much more you feel, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do that in Bloodborne until you can't. There's a whole area of Bloodborne that's built around forcing you to run through, which is interesting because like, that used to be a cheese mechanic, but then uh, from actually start building areas around that. And now it feels like this is a better evolution of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You feel feel great for just, just learning environment or intuiting environment enough to, to get through without yeah. getting yourself into debt. And also you can you can fuck up an encounter and you can then get extract yourself wait for a better opportunity or recover mm. and then go you know and then and then go back in again like i think that my life sort of length is probably longer in in Sekiro than it is in dark souls dark souls you tend you know if you like not not counting the time the traversal time back to where you were mm. like the the right yeah life length is i would say from what i played so far is way longer i think you spend more time doing the thing you're stuck on that's the way i'd put it like in you know in any given um the way i think about this is from editing the bloodborne videos and like cutting out runbacks and farming time and things like i feel like um to answer a question i don't think we will do a Sekiro video series or anything like that equivalent because mm. it is and in a good way a hundred percent being stuck on whatever fight you're stuck on because boss runbacks are really short compared to Bloodborne. Like it is, or like Dark Souls, it is far happier to just put your bonfire equivalent pretty much right next to the boss. Yeah. Normally sure. with one person whose job it is, is to occasionally kill you when you're frustrated mm. and you fuck up against the chump and you realize the boss is doomed. And you know what I mean? Um, but normally like there's a couple of bosses where you got a little bit of a run, but like a lot of the time it's literally 
through this window up there, you're back to the boss fight yeah. or something like that. And that means that I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that my lives in Sekiro have been longer, but I definitely have spent far less time getting back to the thing I'm actually trying to make progress on, you know, relative to Dark Souls where it's like, I died. Okay. Uh, do the fight back to where I died, retrieve thing, regroup, decide if I want to go back and spend thing. Don't. Okay. Try again. Maybe fail. So actually I would say that my Dark Souls lives are longer, but in terms of like time to time actually doing meaningfully stuff, constructive learning, stuff. Yeah. yeah mm. It's a lot. Um, you spend almost all of that time in, in Sekiro, at least in my experience. Like I haven't really had to grind yet or anything like that or, mm. or even sort of consider, you know, I've gone exploring, but only because I've wanted to, you know, not because I am desperately stuck. Um, yeah, the other thing I was going to say, because I think Alex, you're still sort of on its, I think it, it has opened up for you, but not a lot yet. Oh yeah, no. Um, whereas, I was really surprised by, I think it's, it branches more substantially than Bloodborne does, at least for a while. Like, mm. there's a point where it really, like, I realized I had like seven or eight different bosses in different locations today. And that's everything from mini bosses to cool encounters to actual big bosses. Yeah, it's another way they mitigate the, uh, the combat could be swift and punishing, but they mitigate that by giving you lots of different challenges at the same time to work with until they bring it. There are kind of crunch points where you just have to do this one boss and then it will open back out again. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's quite generous in that way where if you get frustrated with, uh, a, a boss in a particular area, you just go and pursue the prong in a different area. And it's like a, it's, there's quite a few routes through the game in terms of the, the order in which you defeat things, to, uh, which is refreshing. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to comparing notes. I managed to get through to the point I'm at with no external references. And that's been really satisfying because it makes you feel like the route I've taken is the only one. And I really want to know where I've hmm. done things out of order. There's also, there's also, it feels like it's also a lot more playful in some ways with puzzles to some extent there are encounters that are far closer to being puzzles than they are to traditional boss fights at least one really notable example i really liked i thought it was really cool yeah um i think i know the one you mean yeah um yeah um it's just it's a it's a full-on crystal maze challenge that's what it is it's hidetake miyazaki's uh monkey christmas maze crystal maze puzzle um uh but um but then there are there are puzzles in sort of environmental things you can do to unlock paths and stuff that are genuinely like about understand not about delivering x item to y location but actually just playing with the game mechanics you've been taught yeah. in the environment in a cool way and changing something which mm. yeah man it's rare that that's maybe too vague to and i can't really explain what it is without getting to spoiler territory but it's the stuff that, you know i think to to throw it back to tom you said this in two different conversations with me but it's worth reiterating i didn't realize how much of a full-blown oh shit this is a full from software game this was going to yeah. be yeah yeah <laughs> it was weird because um like Activision suddenly announced they were publishing it. I wondered if you know maybe Activision just dropped a sack of money at From Software's door and said, "Make us a cool action game." Mm. Um, but no, they just published the the latest full on massive thing that From Software made. I think I can I think I can feel a little bit of Activision in there though. Mm. There is an attention to accessibility which I don't think I associate with 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 not even Bloodborne. You know, as being mm. like there's a you know, there are, you, you, you can eavesdrop, we talked about this earlier on, but the eavesdrop conversations are usually incredibly functional. <laughs> like yeah, right. telling you, yeah. go, go over there, use this against that. You know, like there's, there's so much kind of, um, mm. quite explicit help going on. Um, and I'm, sh- 
you know, it's it's like I don't know who to knows some extent, who knows yeah. where that's coming from, yeah. but but certainly like you know it it's not trying to be like only mysterious, which you know yeah. in, in the way that Dark Souls is. There's a lot more words in this. Like yeah, right. there's a lot of dialogue. Um, uh, you know, there's there's you don't feel as alone, and like you know, not only in the story and the you know your your character's relationship with the world but also as a player like yeah. you know you might not be able to have your friends in, your, in the game with you but there's a lot more help yeah there you. are yeah your character is voiced for a oh, yeah. start and there are conversation options in some well, conversations yeah. sometimes he just goes that's all i can remember him saying yeah his <laughs> <laughs> um uh voice actor for the japanese dub is a lot, a lot better than the english one actually i um, didn't even know that so there is an english dub yeah 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 it's, oh, it's perfectly shit, okay. good um I, I switched halfway through because as you say there's a lot of chat during fights and i'm not reading during fights <laughs> so i wanted to know what, what they're saying um but i'm very like the the japanese are brilliant uh, yeah there's I won't say what, what there's just a, a way a, bo- a boss announces himself when he comes into the combat arena that is just a fucking brilliant brilliant moment <laughs> quite early on actually but uh, yeah. I don't know which one that is um, yeah there's there's um, I, I've been playing it in Japanese with subtitles and I really really like it yeah, like, it's, really it's got good, a really yeah. good atmosphere in fact I, I like to talk about because I think you're right that it it does have more over just like traditional storytelling and a bit of tutorial stuff yeah. um, I think that's definitely reasonable um, however I wouldn't want people to be worried that it isn't full of opaque from software yeah, stuff. No, uh, yeah, that, that's to be clear. Like, there's shitloads really of that, that going on as well. But like the fundamentals, like in the way that the original Dark Souls, like that you would, right. it's, you, like many people, like didn't know fundamentals, you know. Yeah. Whereas this game is very much like, and this isn't just dialogue, like the level design at the start, like those, that open area, mm. like it's the most explicitly tutorial kind of a design that like it's very yeah. elegant it's very yes. elegant like it's not, it is and it's it is not an area sort of, you return to it's this chunk yeah. of the it is a part of the whole right like yeah. it is it, you haven't got to that yet but it, it is like when you get back there you're like oh shit this is literally like they coordinate off in some ways but they do just take a chunk of the world and mm. say play in this learn some stuff in this okay fine game right. start now yeah 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 but it's um yeah it's been weirdly the most friendly despite being a lot of the talk about the game so far being it is most hard yeah yeah i I, I think the difficulty conversation is weird because uh, people can understandably equate it to how quickly you die but really in terms of the cost to your time and sort of how you feel about a given encounter i think it's not as strenuous as dark souls or bloodborne at all by and i also think that's you know again a lot of the mechanics that create those feelings are tied into the themes of bloodborne and dark souls which are about dead worlds and mm. despair and echoes of great societies that have fallen and, and that's kind of that kind of stuff um yeah i agree it's much more accessible uh, there aren't hidden mechanics uh so in dark souls for example the, the distance and speed of your role is determined by how the weight of your armor is wearing. And you just, mm. that is a hidden stat. Like you just don't see it. Like seasoned players know, oh, they recognize by the role they're getting that they're, they're, yeah. they're light enough to do it. There's nothing like that in Sekiro. Like it, it, it expressly says, here's how you dodge this type of attack. Here's how you dodge this type of attack. Mm. And it, it equips you with everything you need in the first two hours. And, and then I, you, I mean, and then it gives it. you a little guy, like a guy to actually just practice against, and he gives oh, yeah. you oh, yeah. just three times, like you get, the yeah, undying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, 
and then you know every time you get a new skill then you can practice against him he yeah. tells you exactly what to do and gives you that specific circumstance like, and again it's a nice gesture of like kind of it is a very from software experience like he, him as npc he feels like a very very traditional hand from software npc yeah, yeah. In yeah that, sure. um, he can't die it's not really explained why he can't die at least not at first like he, he just can't die and you can practice against him and you can ask him to teach you different techniques, which is definitely a new thing where it's like, do this kind of thing against me and I'll learn to counter it. <laughs> but, you know, there's a bit, I think, and this is not a spoiler because just if you, if you, I think it's after you finish like the second free fight against him where you just have to take him out basically for practice. <laughs> and he says, could you go easier on me? It does hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, you have to, again, that's one of the bits where you get an option and I thanked him for allowing me to do it. Basically. Yeah. Thank you for being my tutorial for me, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and you do, you do learn why you can't die eventually. There's, like, there's loads of, there's a lot of lore and stuff. So it's worth reading yeah, all the right. item descriptions and all the skill descriptions because there's stuff yeah. to unpack in the game for sure. There's, um, I really, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into, this is the thing we probably can't talk loads about because I don't want to get into spoilers, but it's also worth stating that like it really, really really feels to me like a continuation of the themes of both Dark Souls and Bloodborne. And in fact, it unites them in some ways. Um, uh, you know, in, in some broad senses, it is different to both of them. I think it's worth saying. It's not literally like, you know, a narrative sequel to them. But a lot of Dark Souls ideas about um, sort of like, you know, uh, faith and kinghood and sort of... Um, dads. Dads. <laughs> and, the, you know, the the path to... Uh, redemption and becoming whole again and, mm. and all of these ideas and are present, very much present and uh, wrapped up in a different set of packaging, I think, and, and, a, yeah. and approached from a different angle, which is really nice. Yeah. There's, um, and there's a source of great, great power that, uh, different sects, uh, find different perverse ways of trying to achieve. Mm. And that's, the, that's throughout Bloodborne. That's throughout Dark yeah. Souls. Like they're, they're very similar kind of, uh kind of templates almost that yeah. are expressed through japanese mythology this time rather than a gothic horror or you know mm. kind of medieval horror or and then you know like i said there are boss fights where it does a big old dark souls right on your face <laughs> um there are there are tricks and little moments where it does a bloodborne on you and that's kind of mm. nice to see because i love bloodborne for its themes and I, i'm not yeah, saying like literally like here's a cthulhu but like some of bloodborne's ideas about sort of you know dreams and reality and and you know the veil between those things are present in in nice subtle interesting ways that again kind of yeah and and time being loose and kind of causality between different time streams being you know also very loose and you know things that you think are a memory are able to affect the present and that kind of stuff again lifted from dark souls and from bloodborne i'd like to see um i'd like to understand i mean obviously you know from being a being a, a japanese company like the two big games like bloodborne and and uh and dark Souls obviously were about western mm. mythology and no, i, I, I would be yeah. really interested to see how it like how it plays around with japanese mythology which will probably go straight over our heads so, yeah, yeah that's what i was uh, that's one of the reasons why i think i haven't gelled with the fiction as much as bloodborne is because bloodborne bloodborne ref- references stuff i'm just very familiar with and mm, yeah. in a way that feels like brilliantly realized whereas there's going to be lots of uh symbolism and you know uh, the i don't know what significance carps have in japanese culture for example oh some massive uh, fucking koi <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like carps are koi and what what they mean because they're recurring symbols mm. throughout uh Sekiro and i'm just not culturally equipped to understand yeah. that in the same way so it, it doesn't resonate with me in this, as much as bloodborne which is where why i still love bloodborne so much because i got so much out of 
its references as much as its you know uh, combat and its mm. its gloom. Uh, so I can't wait to wait to read some really good writing by people who do understand that stuff. Who, yeah, who yeah. to me about it. At a totally superficial level, I think it's got a really lovely visual identity of its own, though. That's rooted mm. yeah. in a lot of that stuff. Like it's, it's a. One of the things that I struggle with, certainly and particularly in Bloodborne, actually, is the relentless grimness. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I think I said this last week as well, but, you know, it's sort of, it's nice to be somewhere pretty mm. most of the time. Yeah. I'm sure that changes over the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's you, really beautiful. You like. go some, well, <laughs> you know, it's a From Software game. You're going to a shitty fucking swamp. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna like it. And there's gonna be, yeah, there's like one moment, and I, again, it's too deep in the game, I think, to, to spoil, but mm. like, there's a moment where you're in a shitty fucking swamp and the enemies you're fighting there basically don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you're like, right. we're back, everybody. And it's, really, it's not very long, that's the thing. It's, it's redeeming. Not. It's a, quite a short, truncated section, but it feels like, I don't know. It's almost like a cameo appearance. It's like, mm. it's like, it's me, everybody. It's Flight Town. I'm back. I'm gone again. Off, you know, off stage right. And it's, you know, again, it feels like one of those from software jokes, like, like, like yeah, a right. band, like playing almost all of their new album and everyone's like, play the hits, play the hits. <laughs> and then like Miyazaki lifts a plectrum. It's like, it's a it's shitty bo- fishing village. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a shitty fishing village full of idiots. <laughs> Prang. <laughs> They had to fight them over and over and over again. <laughs> there are no just like there are no like outright duff areas in this yeah. game in the way that there are in previous like so um was it the bed of chaos uh, down there in Dark Souls, which is obviously just an unfinished bit. <laughs> uh, and then this uh, <laughs> untextured World of Warcraft raid dungeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they just copied and pasted like loads of uh, early boss in. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a good area. Uh, and also there's like I think the snake the snake forest in Bloodborne's crap. Um, and the uh, in Dark Souls two, there's a really shitty misty forest that's just really bad. <laughs> and it feels like they've been uh, the the areas are much more consistent in Sekiro. And uh, I I was a bit worried when I started playing. It for the first you know five to ten hours because there are all kind of samey villages and stuff and i didn't think it was going to like necessarily branch out but it, when it, it does like it does get there and it's it's super satisfying to go on that journey as well i think um sakura's brief dalliance into misty forest full of ghosts and massive fucking chickens is its moment of like <laughs> why is this area like this <laughs> but again it's brief. again this, what the significance of the chickens that must be something yeah There's chickens man yeah like the first time i saw ones, it was very much a what the f- <laughs> yeah, fuck it's like there's, there's chickens and for some reason poisonous geckos that are, yeah. that are rubbish you <laughs> like, surf yeah. on yeah yeah, yeah like, you surf them as you stab them it's, <laughs> why are they here yeah, it's really weird are they the ones in the bottom of the valley they, they get everywhere. they're yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah, you, you, they're, they're recurring and it's, yeah. I don't know why it's, it's the shitty geckos I kind of like part of me thinks it's almost a, a joke about basilisks from previous games which are the most feared enemies in Dark Souls because yeah. they can curse you with you know they halve your health bar and it's a massive ball like to undo the curse and maybe these are just kind of like mini basilisks maybe Miyazaki or someone on that team just loves I don't know little you just don't know but you just, yeah. again you get lots of consistent through lines from these games that it, it, they, those games invite you to speculate about that because everything has a little significance to it everything feels a bit significant yeah there's definitely like part of its internal kind of mythology I guess across yeah. all of those games there's sort of ways yeah. it teaches you to expect certain things there are oh man I, I would almost like to do a spoiler podcast for some of its absolute dick moves and like really good like you know right. just you know, where it plays with the UI, it does stuff to, you know, tit you about, basically, and then, you know, force you into a new thing, and yeah, it's really, 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 really good. I think um, I wasn't expecting, A, to get a game that, you know, love as much as those games, and appreciate the low-hanging fruit, but, you know, that are as good, and 
to be honest, to come away from the hours I spent with it thinking, I think this might be the best one. Mm. I don't know if um, anyone else would, would, would cleave to that. But like, I think I've had a more satisfying time consistently over 25 hours with Sekiro than I'm with any previous from game. And I don't feel like I've missed the things that I love about those games thematically. Like mm-hmm. there are things I very much love about Bloodborne that this isn't doing, but in terms of like pain to enjoyment to meaningful challenge, the ratio just feels so much better. And it is doing things with mythology and its ideas and things like mm-hmm. if it was just an excellent combat game, it would be like, you know, I'd almost, that's almost what I was expecting. I think it would be like really cool, hardcore shinobi combat game. Yeah. Like, um, but you'd always go back to Dark Souls or Bloodborne for the kind of meaty kind of storytelling or something like that. And yeah. this, I just, I don't know, it feels like it's doing everything a little bit better. And that's kind of amazing because I think it's the second part I'm not so sure about in terms of where you end up with, with Bloodborne. Like I, I think about it a lot and yeah. I'm not even playing it and I'm not sure that's Sekiro okay. necessarily yeah, have yeah. the same resonance, but I'm not sure. Um, and a, a lot of the kind of deeper stories come out over the months as fans piece together bits of lore and, mm. and come up with cool theories and stuff. There's a system, and I'm not sure if, I mean, I'll, I'll venture it and I might be missing something, I haven't finished the game yet, but you can give sake to people. You can find, oh, yeah, you yeah. can find sake and just give it to NPCs and it's a limited resource. You just choose who you're going to give it to. Mm. And most of the time what you get for this is just a story. Like you just get, you just mm. share sake with them and, and they tell you something. Nice. And, um, cause it's a limited resource. This feels like you can't get through this game and hear everyone's, all okay. of everyone's stories. Some people stop accepting sake at a certain point, but the type of sake you give them also affects the kind of story they tell you. And so that felt to me like, oh shit, there's stuff here that I now know about these characters and the way they relate to each other and, and things that I definitely wouldn't have known had I not made this almost arbitrary decision to yeah. give this sake to this person. Yeah, that's that's super interesting actually because like, the stories they tell t- tied directly into items and other things that yeah. you really learn about their associates and I don't know, there's some cool stuff I can't get into that yeah, right. you need to speculate about. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely worth it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's not... Um, I, I, I'm with you on the Bloodborne thing, I think, in, the, mm. you know, in terms of um, how evocative stuff is, but... I think also because Bubba didn't come out on PC, if someone were to go straight yeah. from Dark Souls oh, to yeah. this, yeah. I think that's a tremendous improvement. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and in fact, I think it's only competing with Bloodborne thematically. And that's a tough act, just a really tough act to follow. And the fact that it's it's not, it, it's close, I think. I don't think it's like, I think you can make the argument for Sekiro because it has got stuff to say. Yeah. And it has got some amazing images. Mm. Like I think, you know, Bloodborne has really amazing, some amazing, really amazing moments but like some of its most amazing kind of ideas thematically are like also tied up in stuff that's like, like vom- Rom the Vacuous Spider. It's a poo <laughs> in a white field. Yeah, yeah. It's just a poo in a white lake. But then you've got like the Cult of Mensis and that whole area is just yeah. extraordinary, I think. Yeah. Oh man. Oh God. I, I, we should probably stop banging on about it. But like even bits of from software, consistent visual shorthand, like hmm. the sort of, um, Sakura very early on shows you like, and it repeats this motif, like rows and rows and rows of almost like manically carved Buddha statues, like lining the walls mm-hmm. that pile up in the same way that the kind of almost like, um, Hiroshima afterglow thing in Bloodborne does, where yeah, you right, see like right. the people that have been turned to stone mm-hmm. as they try to crawl away from whatever the fuck happened in your like, like crawling into the walls. It's an amazing horror image. In yeah, yeah. And, but the same trope, the same the kind of like the yeah. rows of frozen human figures, like, piling up into the walls repeats in really interesting yeah, ways. Yeah. Oh man. That's Which what I'm talking about, like it having this relationship. It does have that. It's definitely yeah. it's absolutely a from game. And it's the, you know the same idea of 
you know, this being about something profound about a relationship with death, which mm. is the common thread for all of these games really is, is, you know, how do we feel about dying? <laughs> Are you a fan or not? If not, that's, that might be complicated. Um, yeah. And, and it, the overall atmosphere is lighter in Sekiro, but there are moments of really good horror as well. Like, like I think that team has a good sense oh, yeah. of horror. That's yeah. There's some strong. real unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. unnerving stuff. Um, man, it's really good. Can't believe how good it is. Shall we stop talking about it? Yeah. Because we stopped talking about Sekiro, I think before this break, I don't know what happened. We should do questions now. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. Questions from questions? Questions, yes. Okay, good. Uh, the first one of them, questions that is, comes from uh, Minnie or Mickey, who writes, Dear Squeak and Squeak Bar, what do you make of modern PC gaming hardware? Mm, a mild, a mild opening. <laughs> um, do you like... RGB lighting. Yeah. That's, there we go. <laughs> the fan. We found the fan. I like it. It's yeah. yeah. good. Um, do you, <laughs> you sounded like a gecko that had just been surfed yeah. to death. Yeah, what do you think of, what do you think of Chris's RGB lighting? Uh, it's not, not a blinky lights over here, Tom. It's not coordinated. You've got, you've got <laughs> well, this one changes. Now it is. Now it is. The mouse. Oh, no, it's gone. It's, uh, for listeners who can't see this, it's cycling through the entire rainbow and it's very nice. Uh, the keyboard is a staunch red. Yep. Staunchly red. Over here, we've got some green lights on the amp for the microphones. So it's, it's all some red ones over yeah. on the other side. Yeah. So it's a big old clash. I think you've got to coordinate RGB, get a profile. And that, an Xbox pad there. Create a vibe. Great, more of a vibe. Create a vibe. Yeah, more of a vibe. I'll tell you what I need is Amazon to deliver the little keyboard Hoover I ordered. I want one of those as well. Um, it was a complete <sighs> whim today. I looked at my, I literally looked down as I was typing and went, uh, and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then sort of like just rather than go get some compressed air or something like that, I just in the height of modern opulence, I typed Dyson. in, typed in tiny Hoover. I, tried, I you know, hung Amazon Hold closer. Typed in, tiny Hoover. I basically just screamed like, Jeff Bezos, help me! <laughs> and then a tiny Hoover is promised that will mm. arrive soon. Um, and, um, from Big Jeff's, um, Jersey Hoover factory or whatever it is, <laughs> Guernsey tax Guernsey. free, Guernsey tax free Hoover drone. I don't know. Um, okay. I'm a bit worried because it's like, I've got a very overpriced racer keyboard, which is very nice, uh, mechanical keyboard, but inside each key is a laser. I think I might have said this on the podcast what? before. Mm. And, um, Does it fire at all the goo? No, no but shoot, I'm more worried that the goo, the goo will obstruct the lasers inside. Well, that's, and, oh, I see. Yeah. Right. And so like uh, when you press the key down, the laser is blo- blocked, but then uh, there's a hole in the mechanism underneath the key. And as soon as that goes down, the laser completes. And so you get an instant speed of light reaction, apparently. <laughs> But, but what the speed of the key goodness. going? Surely it's the speed of the key going down. What if what if a bit of Dorito gets? <laughs> There's in a there? lot of questions here, and yeah, and the what Doritos. if a bit of Dorito gets? In there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever done the thing where you take all the keys off your keyboard and uh, look at it? I have. I have. I'm I have, bad news. That, yeah. Doing that it's with my latest purchase. It's very bad. I just news. want to literally just point a device at my keyboard. But isn't it yeah. like just going to suck? It. But isn't it going to just suck the goo up into the recess underneath the key? Well, I hope. If you don't take the key off, they might, the they off. Might do. What I'm expecting to happen is for me to point the little mini hoover at my keyboard, kind of Ghostbusters style, yeah, and for an entire flesh <laughs> simulacre well, like of myself. Well, like kind of money-sucking <laughs> things. Yeah, exactly. What? But like for an entire kind of like, like, you know, 
sort of flesh golem version of myself to emerge fully mm. formed from the keyboards, like screaming, denying, don't, not wanting to be exercised before being safely sealed away. Father, you gave <laughs> me life. Dad, no. <laughs> Begone, keyboard son. <laughs> away with you. <laughs> Uh, um, that's my boss battle for later this week. When the well, I've got I got some really nice brown fa- fans. Fa- fans. Brown. Farns. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're brown and they're and, nice. and they're inside my computer, so I don't even see them. Right. But I, I get to know that they're brown in there. Wow, <laughs> that's nice. Why is brown good? This though? wasn't even the first. Brown's three. nice. Is it nice? <laughs> I feel like I should uh, read the rest of the question because <laughs> yeah. I got like three I, words what into was it. The, oh, yeah. what was the, the question was, yeah, sure. it's pretty much what we were talking about. Do you like RGB lighting on your 15 buttons? Yes. Yeah. Logitech wants to mouse. A simple mouse with two buttons and very basic scroll wheel or something in between. Lots of love, mini slash Mickey, depending on your outlook in life. So yeah, it's a mini mm-hmm. mouse thing, Mickey mouse thing. Mice. It's, it's specifically about mice, but we can talk about whatever the fuck. So. Right. Um, I mean, what were we talking about? You like a nice brown fan, hiddly safe in a way where no one will know, which is this, uh, I like to think of as a sort of kind of like a bit of an Edwardian approach to PC hardware. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the, the good fan is for guests only, Margaret. Yes. <laughs> Don't let them see our brown fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once a year at Christmas, you can see the brown fan. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't really understand all that. PC gaming hardware stuff. Hmm. I have a nice mouse. It's very black, but it's mostly the mouse I have simply because I've got a weird kind of mouse grip and hmm. I find most mice just for no reason. <laughs> just fucking no, really uncomfortable. <laughs> a bar of soap. I get, no, they hurt. They literally fucking hurt. Oh, shit. And, oh, well. and because I grip them in some way, How and it's a certain grip? shape, How, which, which right. some, for some reason. How are you hurt by a round object? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Can you do the mouse hold and we'll try and describe it for the... I do a, I do a claw. You do a claw. I can't help, but but I think it's Hang like on. I'm pinching them between my thumb and my, and my little finger. Right. So I get a wear mark on the Cover for me and just stand up left. to get to the bottom of this. Um, but I don't know how... I don't have room... <laughs> uh, so, uh, Alex, you've got like this is test mouse. long, slim but if fingers I touch, here. It's the wrong kind. It's going to hurt me. It's going to. So you've got a test mouse, and this is um, the first time we've ever done a kind of. So uh, yeah, this is live hardware on the crank So Alex is now using one of my old mice on his knee. So I'm clutching it like this. And yeah, so I think got, you've got your, your long it's fingers. Too, if it's too humped. It just. Is this? Just would you describe this as too humped for you? It's too humped. It's, it's too humped. G. It's quite flat. It's a Logitech G three O something. It's got a hand scurf on it already. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty grim and old, that one, and broken, so please don't touch, actually. But just, yeah, I feel like, you know, um, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a freak's, freak's attitude, freak's yeah. behavior. Um, hmm. I, 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 I like... Demonstrate. Okay, I'll look... Uh, um, I'm also like a, a claw... Right. But okay. I've just got stubby fingers and a small hand, so this that's, is yeah. that's more or less the same grip as me. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine. But this is like I think I've just got a smaller size hands. Yeah, I've got pretty small hands as well. We have very small hands. Uh, so, so that's perfect. For can me. I try my? Let's see how. I'm, I'm left- you're left-handed as well. Yeah, I am. So I'm I'm like that. I'm 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 a flat-handed. Uh, so you rest the uh, against yeah, the palm I, I, of the mouse. Yeah, this is like, very interesting. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, like his hand. It's like it's like his one with the mouse. Kind of contoured to it. It's like it a second skin. Mouse. Yeah. Loves the mouse. It loves, it loves the, the mouse. mouse. Imagine, like, I like, smothering yeah. it. Ooh, yeah, he can't to... breathe. 
die sleep sleep little mouse <laughs> it's like a lion sleep. with his mouth fastened over an, a gazelle uh, it's like i think of it, it's like a it's like, like a, a squid it's like a snake devouring it's like a snake that started eating yes that's true yeah you know it, it's a it's a, a it's a backyard tragedy in australia um <laughs> family pet on its way into a python no, it's, it's, it's the way i hold a mouse secure grip <laughs> <laughs> for sure I, I think I hold mine like a sort of strange bird yes you do yeah, you look like you you're do, trying to hoist yes. it back to your nest you know <laughs> yeah a precious thing a precious RGB lit thing that you just need to <laughs> cover and own I had an interesting bird fact the other day oh yeah um, yeah genuinely <laughs> good noise as well you're full of these good noises today Tom oh sorry I'm very uh, excited I had, a, I had a lovely steak before I came out here so <laughs> it's just full of energy steak noises just steak yeah noises. I'm going to put this down because I'm clicking it and that's not I mean this wasn't a great visual kind of podcast experience <laughs> No, I don't know. Hope um, but yeah, um, uh, a good bird fact before we get back onto the the topic of mice. I didn't realize this. So um, there's a reason why some birds um, are easy to train or relatively easy to train, and some birds are impossible to train. Mm. I heard this from someone who does professional academic work with bird Harris training. hawks. Ooh, cool. uh, uh, very interesting conversation about mo capping hawks in order to figure out how the fuck birds land, mm. basically, and to see amusingly if there are any applications for um, like any, any engineering. Like, can we make a plane that lands better? But, right. But it turns out birds fuck it up a lot, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> like, but anyway, I thought this was interesting. This is also apropos of nothing, but um, birds have like a a pouch in there, like just below their beaks, where they when they eat, yeah. where they keep food before they go and actually sort of process yep. it and digest it. Hmm. And um, I'd never I knew this sort of abstractly, but I didn't realize the ramifications. And this is also a broader explanation of why owls are stupid. Um, and <laughs> this is answering all kinds of questions. Yeah, I'm learning so much. Um, and so, um, you know, when you're training like a falcon or a hawk or something, um, you give it treats because it wants food to teach it to do things mm. but it doesn't get the satisfaction of that food straight away it just stores it because a bird instinctively won't eat until it's gone off to sit in a tree and digest and, and eat because their instinct is get the food put it in your little pouch fuck off up a tree where a fox can't get you that's mm-hmm. how birds do um therefore you um, can't you can't reward them well therefore you can reward them because they'll just keep taking it they they, they don't know because they're still hungry they, 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 they haven't well yeah you gotta be careful but like yeah. they they like will fish. keep taking food and they'll therefore they'll keep learning and doing you know commands and things like that owls don't have this at all they eat straight away like they will hoist your little mouse up off the ground like alex with a mouse and take it up into a tree eat it and then they're done so if you give an owl a treat it, it, leaves. Just, it, it leaves. <laughs> Bye. But and you can you can train owls. You can, but you shouldn't, because they're just oh. notoriously unreliable. Apparently, um, you know, because I think there's a thing post Harry Potter for having like owls deliver the rings at weddings and things. Just terrible fucking idea. Like what any other fuck? any other trained bird, because an owl will just go like, I've forgotten what I've come in for. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a mouse for. I'm just going to sit in a tree now. I'm an owl. What the more do you want? Uh, yes. I don't ring. understand I'm the sanctity of this occasion. <laughs> like, I will not be brought into Jeff Bezos' his, his, uh, delivery yeah, exactly. mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll kill and eat a drone, but I won't, um, I won't have any part in this, basically. I'm an owl. Oh, I've got a lovely childhood memory of, uh, uh, being at some sort of bird thing. Getting really off the question here. But, uh, yeah, I, I held, uh, an enormous gauntlet that felt really heavy because I was mm. small. Must have been about eight, eight or nine or something. And they said, "I oh, will just hold this up and then watch the tree line." 
And uh, after a few minutes, um, a beautiful white barn owl flew out from what seemed like half a mile away and slowly just soared over and then landed on my up- upraised gauntlet fist. Mm. And I felt like a god. <laughs> and it was amazing. I am the king of owls! And I realise now that I should, owl have, I should have checked for wedding rings on that thing <laughs> yeah, if it had exactly. kind of forgotten from a <laughs> yeah. previous... Look uh, inside its, its mouth. It's gizzard. Guts, it, it, yeah. doesn't have. Oh, it doesn't have. Oh, it does have poo- then poos, doesn't it? With, with all it the poos at wedding rings. They it. shit yeah. wedding rings, those owls. Yeah. <laughs> Out for the rings. Yeah, basically, if, if if you're gonna have a bird officiate your wedding, not an owl. That's my yeah, that's excellent. Uh, that's your finding. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my, the takeaway. Yeah. That's my belief. That's I how think, I feel about. P- I think that games. does answer Mini Mickey's it's a good question. RGB. I mean, I I mean to get back to the question, I use whatever kind of mouse um, left-handers can use. Um, it's pretty. I don't. It's pretty hard to find left-handed mice, so I just use ambidextrous mice and switch what's off. the like is that what what's the the ambidextrous thing about it the, the they're symmetrical right and left they're... most mice are curved oh. and they oh, curve yeah. okay. inwards so mm-hmm. mine is not yeah so not. um well most gaming mice are curved for a right hand so um as in they follow the contour of your thumb mm-hmm. so uh that not good for me because thumb other way mm. different different mm. thumbed yep mouse two thumb buttons back and forth for internet sites uh uh, mouse wheel and then two like sensitivity buttons that, that's all i care about nothing else thank yeah, you yeah. very much uh, my keyboard i like my keyboard is a mechanical one mm. it's by a company called ducky Aww. and uh and with it came some additional keycaps one of which has a picture of a duck on it Aww. so i put that in where the escape key is <laughs> so i'm very pleased with that no lights on it whatsoever well, apart from the caps lock key, which I can't see from where I sit, so it may as well not be there. <laughs> no lights for me, but the escape key. It's a duck. And brown fans. And that's Secreted as far as my gamer, gamer paraphernalia goes. Mm. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, that's us then. That's our identity. Yeah, that's good. That's express that's piece of hardware. Um, good. Good, um, good thoughts on tech. Always good to check in, um, on the latest tech. Tech. Yeah, love it. Um, next, friends writes, dear CNC, as gamers, We spend a vast amount of time over the course of our lives sitting alone in a dark room, tapping keys and pushing buttons. It's therefore perfectly understandable that some people would consider this to be a waste of time. Or at least inferior to other forms of relaxation that result in tangible skills, such as learning to play an instrument. What kind of instrument? The sousaphone. So one. (laughs) The only one. You put me on the spot, you get what you get. Yeah, I was pleased. (laughs) Um, so I posit this question. What transferable skills has gaming taught you? And how has it improved you as a person? Has navigating vast open world environments improved your ability to traverse London on foot? Did leading a guild or clan help you kickstart a small family business? I appreciate that the, those are very specific examples. So help me out here. I'm really struggling to justify 20 years of shooting zombies and having sex with aliens. Kind regards, friends. So... This is an interesting one because this is one of those questions where I was like, do I disagree with the entire premise of this question? And the answer is maybe. Um, I realized recently, I think, to stop looking for transferable skills from the things I do for fun, which mm. is something that definitely kind of dogged me for quite a while. In fact, I think it's one of the reasons I ended up working in games was to try and <laughs> derive some mm. sort of um, extracurricular value from mm. thing I was doing because actually I, I liked the spaceships and the shoot bangs and the punch games. Um, 
and obviously I uh, regret every single minute I've spent in this accursed image. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole thing was a stupid idea. Um, and I should have just enjoyed them. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I think recently I've come around to the idea that uh, it's okay for your entertainment to be not that. galvanizing in some broader sense. Mm. Is it is something very um, sort of, protestanty about needing something to have kind of yeah. sort of practical sort of mm-hmm. purpose to it you know and you know and it kind of that that's the kind of thinking can sometimes distract you from the fact that it's having positive benefits in your life that that you maybe aren't that maybe aren't tangible or immediately obvious you know like the fact that it's relaxed you and yeah, kept yeah. your heart you know your your blood pressure down you know consistently for decades you know yeah something you can't measure maybe it did was good for you maybe it wasn't like fuck it you know <laughs> you also got to success so i feel like i feel we skip straight over like if any of us actually have learned applicable yeah tra- translatable skills from games no. anything Liter- anything i would say literally nothing yeah I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, I got a job out of it, you know? Yeah, we've all built careers out of it, but it's, but yeah. Not but not out of being good at games or, you no, know, no, no, like no. a skill we learned in games. I mean, there's probably, I mean, I would say maybe there's, I mean, I, I, I could see, I mean, I haven't ever built a guild or anything, but I would imagine there are, there are, there's quite a lot of people for whom they would never have thought they were a manager type of person, but mm. then they built a, a, a guild and realized that actually that was something they had you know skill and i think and like interested. you know online why well, not my microphone all the way away from my face <laughs> um online role playing like taught me that i liked telling stories and that is you know it was uh, i think it gave me my but then it's the other way around isn't it like yeah you, you, you because you liked stories that's what took you there like right yeah games didn't teach me writing yeah. but mm. they gave me a way to use writing that had provided a friendly audience to people who would be supportive and encouraged me to do that thing that's nice and it's something the games have genuinely given me um i'm sure you'd have but that's if in they lieu didn't of exist i'm sure you'd have found some other expression dungeons and dragons or, right. or something like that right um yeah i'm really struggling to i mean i could i think games have tested skills that i have like i think you know being on a dota team has tested my conflict resolution skills and my ability to manage my own mood and therefore, in giving me the chance to practice those things, possibly made them better. Well, but that's I, pretty squarely agrees with the... Yeah, but it's not why I was doing it. Oh, sure. You know, that's the that's the difference. Um, yeah, I think, and that's as, you know, and I am the sort of person who will play a game in order to, you know, get better at something. You know, I want to be good at the thing. I want to be competitive at the thing. I want to be good at parrying the sword blows. Thank you. And to make the cool gif of getting it all right. Like, that is me. But those skills are, that's more the satisfaction of learning something. And those mm. skills are ultimately localized to the environment in which they are learned. You know, perfectly good example. Um, don't sword fight me in real life, please. Um, I play a lot of sword fighting games. I like them a lot. I think about how to design them a lot. Don't, don't just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to. Um, happy to just press the right bumper or the left bumper hmm. to make sword go. And that'd be my full total engagement with um, that particular set of practical realities. Thank you. Hmm. Hmm. Anything. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's any other sort of, you know, lesson to be taken from this sentiment of 
make you know make my 20 year hobby worthwhile in in retrospect yeah but yeah for me it's like what i said it doesn't need to like you know uh i think there's it there's we in we live in a culture which kind of suggests that we have to kind of justify what we do hmm. because there are things that are worthwhile and things that aren't apparently you yeah know? so the, I, I was going to challenge the, the premise of this question of the fact that learning a musical instrument is intrinsically better than learning to yeah, be good at Sekiro. Yeah. And actually why i had i remember this reminds <laughs> yeah, me of this big question. argument <laughs> you know this, i had this big argument with uh marsh years and years and years ago it was when um it was sort of guitar hero was kicking off and um and there are all those videos of people doing extraordinary ex- extraordinary feats of kind of of, of dexterous kind of dex- uh, de- de- dexterity in, in that game speed. and um and marsh was kind of a bit disgusted by it sort of saying what a way you know like there's so much effort and time and being put into mastering that, you know, that they could have put into. I don't know whether he did use sort of making, you know, learning an actual instrument, but, you know, it was in that kind of an argument. Like, and there is a part of me that definitely agrees with that. There is a bit of kind of like, oh my God, why did you spend a thousand hours learning that speed run when you could have written something that you know but it's kind of mad like mm. then i feel hold myself up to you know then i kind of try, try to sort of sum myself but we had a big argument and i was sort of trying to you know argue that that well there is beauty in doing that and there's a mm. the sense of satisfaction and self kind of worth that comes from that is sort of but, you know nothing you sniffed at yeah, so as chris said like learning is really fun and yeah. uh, as an adult you're the opportunities you have to learn in such a focused way are actually quite limited without spending a lot of money doing a course or something and so you get so for playing Sekiro for 70 hours in one week <laughs> with no guys or internet to help was like an intense learning experience and that's what I've I've found so rich about it is that I've, mm. I mastered that system and that was to me completely satisfying and even, yeah, though, yeah. That, even though what you've learned is, is what isn't necessarily because, because, because and this is really interesting it's almost like the reverse of the question because we place so much you know, uh, it costs money to acquire skills in other contexts as an adult or indeed when you're younger because uh, there's this assumption that you're doing so in pursuit of professional value, that you pay money to go on a course because it will reap dividends for you in a different regard, right? Mm-hmm. That like everything has to have an end. Like learning for learning's sake is not really a thing, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. you get a weird, you know, there's, you know, uh, in some places they call it academia, but, you know, there's like, a, you know, there's... There's a broad theme of like, even within academia, are you doing this for the professional path or, you know, uh, you know, for, for just for the joy of knowing these things in this subject area? Like, that's what games can do, I think. Good games, at least. And that's, that is absolutely worthwhile because for the price of a game, you get to just have the experience of learning something, but without this attendant pressure to mm. knit it into your life. Also, Tom, did you shave your beard off when you finished Sekiro. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you had, cause I saw you on Friday and you were deep into it and you yes. had a full, actually quite impressive quite beard. beard. Yeah. It gets big pretty quickly. And it, yeah. that week was all it took. Cause and you I just looked my... into the middle distance and said, this is my Sekiro beard. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we're, um, we're, uh, uh, Pip's leaving drinks for PC Gamer. And, um, 
like uh, one of our friends came up to me and like commented on how big my beard had gotten and that was the moment i was kind of like oh yeah i've just been a fucking sekiro hermit all week yeah and the beard is a, is a direct result of that so i sort of it was quite loud in the pub i just yelled this is my sekiro beard like that and then uh shaved it off the next day <laughs> so i've got uh yeah this is beautifully trimmed i feel like uh i've i'm i'm I a member of society again <laughs> yeah. after that experience yeah uh, humanity uh, restored yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah i'm no longer hollow everything's fine uh you know it literally is correct yeah um good yeah but nonetheless um i understand the i understand the anxiety that leads to asking this question uh, yeah yeah sure i, I hope yeah. this has been read so i don't really mean to like cast aspersions in that direction it's more that like because i share this anxiety and i've just yeah. to dismiss it agreed but then you know vast majority of people learning musical instruments uh do it purely for themselves and it and it's not actually in pursuit of a well, greater art or expression it's it's part of a, a personal satisfaction about learning and there's no reason that games yes. should be different yeah yeah well some people learn musical instruments so they can play wonderwall at house parties <laughs> that's a very <laughs> specific type and of that person. is much less so actually here's that's worse less valuable <laughs> it is, yeah. it is worse. to the universe so here's, here's yeah, the question yeah. for you <laughs> Um, I'm going to posit a situation, right? Imagine you, you, you know, we're all, I don't know, at university at a house party and there's two, two suddenly sliding doors style split screen. There are two possibility spaces, two in the morning. I'm there. In one timeline, I'm holding an acoustic guitar. And, and, I, say, <laughs> and I say, do you know what? It's time to jam. And then I start playing Wonderwall or like, well, if it's me at Circuit University, it'd be much twattier than that. Right. Other timeline. Right. But it's modern day, I guess. Right. I've got a tablet with me. Guess what? Google Stadia. It works. I guess I immediately whip out my phone and a pad and I'm like, anyway, time for the hits. Here's Blight Town. (laughs) 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 And I treat everyone to a flawless run through of Blight Town from Dark Souls 1. And everyone's like, I know which one I would respect more. Going, That's the thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. See, like, what what timeline would you rather rather live in? A drop attack was flawless. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's Blight Town. Um, <laughs> oh, don't you say it when people come to your house party and they just get Blight Town. <laughs> oh my god, it's just so fucking. <laughs> Actually, to be completely honest. Um, I first met you, Tom Senior, at your housewarming party for the flat I would subsequently eventually live in. Yeah, what did that, he yeah. do? Um, what, and what I got, into, I, do? I got very drunk with Tom Francis, who I also met for the first time that night. Yes. And we spoke extensively about the use of jazz in the Halo ODST soundtrack <laughs> right. and Mass Effect. <laughs> and in, and that subsequently led to, um, Tom remembering who the fuck I was when it came for me to eventually end up doing work at PC Gamer. Right. So my career began because I literally got to the house party and went, jazz. <laughs> anyway, do you want honk, me to honk opinions about video games at you? Um, and the rest is 270 odd episodes of this fucking podcast. <laughs> so. It can pay off, I guess. Yeah. It's good. That's a good origin story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tom got really drunk and fell asleep sitting up. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. No, no. Tom Francis. (laughs) Tom lived there, so Tom Senior lived there. I was there too. (laughs) Brilliant episode of Futurama. It's like, I live here, so I'll be in the background. Stay in the background for the rest of the episode. (laughs) The scruffy, the janitor of... (laughs) Yes. Uh, Good. Anyway, should we do this question? Next question is from, well, it's more of a statement. So an anonymous American who writes, um, uh, and I think an anonymous left-handed American, this is important. Mm. Uh, they state, 
We exist. I do not switch my silverware across hands. Please do not reveal my identity lest I be driven into the sea. <laughs> I don't understand this. What's this referring to? This is this is, a, this is an increasingly long conversation we're having about... Uh, do you want to, you're better explaining it than I am, Alex. So, so we discovered with some, I mean, shock, possibly dismay, that uh, our European uh, way of, of cutting up food... Uh, using cutlery, keeping our fork in our left hand or right hand, you know, but keeping our knife and fork in the same hands too, in order to eat. Yeah. Cutting, eating, right, cutting, yeah, eating, yeah, yeah. keeping, one one, one hand, one cutlery, right? Americans, they cut the food, right? They then transfer the fork to the other hand, the leading hand. They then eat the morsel. They then transfer back. What? Cut some more. And like, we were, yeah, this is what we were, this we were going, what? And then it's been corroborated over and over and over again ever I've since. I've eaten with Americans and I've never ever. So the, our, our anonymous American here is, is, is clarifying that it, yeah, exists and also they do not conform. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this, this gets deeper and deeper. This is our, um, this is our Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine Chinatown. <laughs> 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 yeah. Made myself laugh. I'm sort of weirdly devastated, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's because every it's American such a social norm that it's just like it's every why, why would you not do that? Why would you not do that? Has been doing some kind of shell game under uh, like on the table while you've not been looking. I'm going to be looking next time. It's like, like a continuity error. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops! <laughs> and it's all <laughs> you can see now. The entire continent is all you can see is people just switching. Doing this Where's the knife? Where's the knife now, Tom? Where's the knife? Um, cool. Uh, Paddy writes, hello, in my transition to adulthood, I feel the need to dress for success, but still want to represent my gaming roots. Where to get good, subtle gaming related clothing. Something to work to where to work that doesn't get double takes except from gamers who know the series. Polo tops with a Witcher logo, black hoodies with a small N7. What is the least subtle gaming clothing item you've seen? <laughs> subtle. Um, currently, my CSS, uh, as in Counter Strike Source, not um, cascading style sheets or cool band. Um, boom headshot and iPhone noobs T-shirts from web series Pure Ponage only get used when lounging around the house. Love the pod, Paddy from Dublin. So I feel like we're in a really unique position because we've um, all been shot at with a T-shirt cannon. In the form of a career, <laughs> yeah, in the form of a career in games media, where um, you go to an event and someone says, "Here's your USB stick full of screenshots you actually need. Take a T-shirt." And you say, "I'll just have the assets." And they look at you with this look on your face, like they didn't. They only just realised that you weren't their friend. And until <laughs> so you go, oh, I'll have a T-shirt. And then you take a medium T-shirt because you're feeling you've had a big lunch and you're feeling slightly dowdy that day. And then I'm speaking really from the heart here, but then you end up um, with wow. like a pretty huge, huge collection of oversized T-shirts for doomed MMOs. Yeah, I've... I've uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, what was the um, Richard Garriott... I'm a tabula rasa yeah. tabula rasa i've got that and still wear it yeah because it somehow fits me quite well there's um i think honestly there's um this bath would probably be an interesting kind of case too. if you go to charity shops in bath just scroll those racks for like apb t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> lineage too you know yeah that, 
I think so. There's a whole sort of discourse online about how uh, journalists get kickbacks and stuff, but it's it's not that. It's all it's, shaming. It's a bag of shaming of things. just rubbish. Yeah. That, and it's you know it, there might be a t-shirt in there. There'll be a pen in there, perhaps, and a USB sticks with some assets on it or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've I've, uh, I've got this sentiment art now at like trade shows where you you know I always turn it down anyway. But like they they'll hand it to me and they're like, oh well, thank you. Yeah, right. I'll just take it with the left hand, uh, sitting down in the chair. Transfer bag to right hand. Move the bag behind the chair. Drop it there. Continue with the business and then leave without the bag. And uh, I've just left many bags of things behind chairs on, in trade <laughs> shows uh, because this, I've got this down quite well. Uh, there was one like uh, studio visit where a man, like a guy on the team, loaded up a bag full of, and I'm not exaggerating, like 16 pairs of horrible socks. Just really <laughs> horrible, like socks. Socks. Why? That doesn't even use... work as a kind of, of a and emotional. Like, item because they're not usually seen no I, so i was like no i don't want this i've got to go to the airport i'm not carrying this on the fucking i didn't say that but i said no i don't want it it's right fine you could keep your socks it's fine I mean, you wouldn't let me leave without them so i took them and they're in a bin in an airport somewhere now it's <laughs> 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 like on a plane with a big fucking bag of socks for seven hours or whatever <laughs> what anyway. is it about the duration of the flight that makes the socks harder and harder i don't know <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, the knowledge are there it's knowing they're there for sure yeah, yeah. and um yeah, I don't know. I should, well, I should have used the trick there and just left it behind one of their chairs. <laughs> Why are all these socks behind this chair, Jim? Oh. Hmm. I, thought I almost, um, I almost turned down, um, a hoodie, which is quite an extravagant gift, um, <laughs> on a trip. Um, and then I saw it and actually it's the best hoodie I've ever owned. So are you wearing it now? No, you, not, you are wearing is, a Dota one right now. I'm wearing a Dota hoodie right now. I bought this. The actual, it's right there. It's the gray Ubisoft Shanghai hoodie. Oh, okay. It's the most comfortable hoodie I've ever owned. Thanks, Eves. Um, I had a, oh, I had a, I had a um, Halo 3 uh, hoodie, which, um, which, which I treasured actually. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I tell you what. So I feel like we've answered the question not at all because we've just talked about things we resent. Uh, insert given. coin do yeah. okay ish, uh, kind of. They do the kind of um, gaming stuff that has subtle references in it that only in the know know, and it looks like just a sort of graphic stuff if you don't know it. Yeah. So I think that fits the bill. I think that probably does from a technical point of view, if you want to answer the question directly and helpfully, Alex. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good job. <laughs> I think it's healthy to have a, you know, a range of T-shirts that are just only at home stuff. And I've got like some sports t-shirts and just stuff I've bought at gigs and stuff that is just purely for wearing around. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. quite nice actually. Yeah, that's good. I, go I think, and... yeah, I think there's, um, there's a sort of, you know, like one of the, if, if, um, at least during my time on PC gamer, if there was a sort of health bar, like a doom or Wolfenstein style health bar for the magazine, it would be what, how much effort <laughs> have I put into what I'm wearing and how close to game stashes have become. So like right before deadline and I'm sad is, I am now wearing the APB t-shirt. Um, whereas start of deadline and I feel fresh faced and respect myself is I'm wearing <laughs> a, a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that, that has a function, I suppose. I think I quite like subtle kind of little cosplay touches. I, I, I'm quite, I quite like, um, sort of dressing to a theme, you know, if, if you were going to do it rather than like a particular piece of merch. Because I think so. When when you when you're wearing your APB t-shirt, you also put a pair of kind of very very baggy uh, combat trousers. No, I mean I've never done this, but I quite like the idea of doing it. Like so, dressing in a way that sort of signals that you like a particular game, but but in 
in a way that actually just sort of constructs a costume out of what you're wearing to some extent. I think this, this, this is frightening me. Really? Why? Because it makes me think that you go out trying to look like Geralt or Rivia, Rivia, Rivia. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Geralt of Ravita, <laughs> Rivia Islands, where you get the best merch from. Mm. Um, uh, no, what I mean is that you know, if you, you, I don't know, some subtle touch to you, I don't know, just wear a karate gi. You're Ryu now. Congratulations. <laughs> I bet there are so many dojos and kind of karate lessons where people just come in as Ryu or want to become no, Ryu. Aren't they better. all right? I mean, Ryu is just dressed for karate, right? He's just a man who He must have some quite casual lounging about. I the guess house. he's put his belt on his forehead. He's got a lounging gi that he yeah. deploys in his off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but like, honestly, like, how would you tell if someone in a karate dojo was cosplaying? Right. It's the headband. From Street Fighter. The, the headband, if that, yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll and the rip bits. Yeah. Rip bits. And then the rip bits. Yeah. <laughs> and the throwing things at people. <laughs> Fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, I'm pretty like. I think that I think that there's a tension in the in the question and versus sort of our kind of thing where we kind of live in gaming circles, so we don't yeah. need to identify. We'd pr- probably prefer not to identify ourselves publicly because because we feel fairly uh satisfied i suppose would be sort of socially by by being yeah, knowing that we're in a group you know yeah whereas kind of nerd. outside like outside that i you know i don't i can understand intellectually that that you'd want to well, i suppose it's the interest that i had like between the ages of i don't know 15 and 25 in wearing band t-shirts like it was just you know you know, a, a way of identifying like-minded people. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Tell you what's good for this: pins. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in um, CEX the other day, um, ridding myself of uh, about fifteen years worth of games all at once, which is a really satisfying thing to do for thirty quid. Um, that that pile there is stuff that unfortunately has to be kind of recycled because it's all PC games. Oh, PC yeah, yeah. physical yeah, PC games. Yeah, Remember yeah. those when they yeah. die. They um, no use the code. No resale value whatsoever, yeah. And then a few Xbox things that can't, I'm either keeping or getting rid of. So, um, but yeah, got rid of about 15 years worth of games um, at once in return for a, a really big peanut. How much and, was it? Um, <laughs> How much did you get? Probably got 70 quid in the end. Right. Not too bad. Like, right. it's like, I'm going to get God of War probably because I haven't played it yet. Oh, yeah. Something like that. That's fine. It's fine. Like, relative to the amount of investment I would get out of all of those Xbox games I'm never going to play again. Yeah, it's fine. But, Obviously, I mean, maybe that's a bit of a nerd-friendly environment as well because it's a CEX. But it was nice to look across the counter and see someone who just on their sort of um, jacket just had a little Monster Hunter pin. And I represent mm, the because it was mm, one of the mm. – I think – I can't remember what creature it was, but it was one of the mini-map icons for a particular monster for the Monster Hunter universe, which yeah. is, must be something that Capcom sell. Um, but it was that nice little moment of like, oh, Monster Hunter, right? Yeah, and it was, it was yeah. subtle enough to pass notice, I think. It's just a badge on a jacket. Um, but – uh, he, they certainly identified me as a fellow video game enthusiast. Um, and, um, I didn't mention it at all and our transaction remained professional. <laughs> didn't meet any kind of eye contact. No, uh, no, didn't make eye contact. The they were at work and I was in a hurry. So hmm. I didn't actually engage any kind of social, uh, I didn't act as social lubricant in any meaningful way, but it happened and, um, it could happen better. That's all the questions we've got. 
<laughs> Unless you have any more on how to identify yourself to your fellow uh, video gamers in the wild. It's like little perspex little kind of thing where you can write a name of a game on. A perspex thing you can write the name of a game on? What, like hmm. a... A sort of name badge. You hold but... it up, yeah. Or... Well, just a or like, a, like an FBI <laughs> kind of. Handwritten. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, it. That's it, Paddy. I love Sonic 2. <laughs> Make your own badge that says, I like Sonic the Hedgehog on it. See how <laughs> Maybe that Maybe you goes. could also draw Sonic. You could draw Sonic. At which point you've made your own Sonic badge. <laughs> and you are speaking to eight-year-old Chris here quite directly. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, anything left in the tank? We've, we've, we've discovered what the bottom of Alex's barrel looks like. Um, <laughs> no, I quite like the idea of a kind of like a, a flap open FBI badge that yeah. you can flash it. What would it say? What would it say on it? Um, Federal <laughs> Bureau of, of FBG Gaming. Just a, then, of Sonic just a picture Hedgehog. of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Hedgehog has to be in all of this iconography. Like, it's the only one that's allowed and it's the only one that gamers recognise. So I think that you have to be careful about that with your t-shirts. It's got to be a Sonic with a Hedgehog on it somewhere. It could be about God of War, but there's got to be a Sonic on it. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not a gamer if you don't I know, like you Sonic. Don't worry about the fact that Sonic is about to become an even more cursed intellectual property <laughs> thanks to the new 3D CGI film that's going to come out. Oh, God, yeah. With a hideous rendition of what you could Sonic consider, What you could consider a knuckle tat. And it's, the problem it. with this is you can't... Um, both the words Sonic and Hedgehog are longer than the four... Uh, knuckles that you traditionally get knuckle tats on, hmm. but you can get sonk and head. G- <laughs> ah, sonk. One of us, one of us. <laughs> exactly. And that'll do it for anyone who really understands. Oh. They'll know that. If you can, you know, if you just you lay your hands down on the counter of that CEX and they look down and see sonk head. G- um, I think that might also mean something in Swedish. So it's, you know, it's, <laughs> you can punch him. Exactly. How dare you? Between that um, that cursed Sonic m- movie and Detective Pikachu, we're entering a time where beloved video game characters are going to become things I see on screen that I want to kill in Bloodborne. <laughs> I, so hang on, so are you, you anti? Oh, you can't Pikachu. say that about Pikachu. Not Pikachu himself, but the the mime, like all the others. Yeah, in it, but I feel like I, I do feel like that's a like a stylistic choice. It reminds me yeah, of like yeah. maybe so. Like I don't know, it's got that kind of there's something I think if they do it <clears throat> I quite like that because for me it's got a kind of Jim Henson-y weirdness to it like if they do it right it could end up in some sort of like Dark Crystal style right right like territory <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I'd be into um, whereas, whereas Sonic the looks Sonic like, it's, like a child has wandered into the lingerie department you know like, it's like sort of <laughs> what oh it, Christ what, what does, have we done no, Alex what does that mean <laughs> what is- it's, it's the feeling as a as a you've wandered into the wrong part of the shop and like oh god <laughs> you're oh, in the wrong no. time there's a naked anthropomorphic like, blue hedgehog here <laughs> they they've kind of like we're making Sonic the Hedgehog and then they've wandered into the CGI department and yeah. oh fuck what's it's, happened it's no, it's, it's, yeah, it's so deep in the uncanny valley that I I think it's it is like it is like a, a Dark Souls level it's the Blight Town Valley of <laughs> like there's they have rendered him to a level of detail that calls attention to the fact that he's naked um but is also you know uh, sufficiently cartoonish to make it pass muster at first and then make you think which is the worst that sort of double that sort of uh, psychological kind of double process where you initially go cartoon character, then naked man, mutant maybe, 
help. And then you end up in this sort of middle ground. I hate it. I hate it a lot. And I regret my knuckle tattoos immensely. <laughs> They're bleeding slightly. Yeah, they do that whenever I think about <laughs> Sonic 2. Bleed more the closer it gets to the release date of that film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Terrible curse. Curse you, Sonic Hedge. Go on, Carlo. Right, fine. We managed to dig some fresh earth out of the bottom of that barrel <laughs> that, um, that is all the questions we have time for if you'd like to send us a question for next week you can do so by emailing us the questions on crowbar.com or tweeting us we can be found on the internet service twitter at crate and crowbar uh, thank you as ever to our patreon supporters whose continued support allows us to honk thus every week um, and if you'd like to find out more about our patreon you can find us at patreon.com forward slash crate and crowbar. This podcast and others like it can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash crate and crowbar. And don't forget, we've got, oh, my voice is going. Shit, this is don't going for, well. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Stay don't a while. Forget, <laughs> um, you can find, um, our Discord community who are lovely on Discord. Hmm. Um, the link for which is in the show notes for this episode on our website and also in the top bar of that same website, crate and crowbar.com. Uh, do we, I've asked this every, every, every week for months. Um, Twitter handles, do we want to do them? Should we make a decision right here, right now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, fine. Alex? Rotational. I, oh, ro- <laughs> <laughs> I am you on. You threw ro- your hat in the ring oh, and it bounced to hit you in the face. I didn't myself at all. I am rotational. R O T A T R N A L. There's a link in the show notes to whatever it is the fuck Alex just said. Well, Alex just did reminded me of what just happened just before I walked into this house to do this podcast, where a perfectly like nice dog was just trying to follow me into the house, and a woman was screaming at it, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like that, and and you just gave me a you made it sound like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, and get over here, fuck over here. <laughs> so, um, did it bark? No, it was okay. Because today a dog has been <laughs> barking respectful. outside my house for like four hours today. <laughs> I couldn't work because every well, I mean, I tried, but like every like ten seconds, in the distance, not a big bark, not a big woof, just a sort of like every mm. like you know without fail every ten seconds or so. So. I did entertain the thought for a while. That dog's trying to tell me something. So if a dog's trying to get in the house, pass on whatever <laughs> message it has. Maybe so. Yeah. I, whatever that woman doesn't want me to know. This <laughs> yeah, ninety-six lies in this story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We must have picked them all. Um, shadows lie ninety-six times. That was a joke. There's no home for that joke, but it was it was there somewhere else in the episode. Who knows where it could fit in? I'll edit it somewhere. It's fine. Uh, Tom, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at PCG Ludo Ludo. Great. And I'm at C Thurston at C T H U R S T E N. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.